This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Support for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I used to use a regular beard trimmer uh, for uh, taking care of business down below. Oh, dude, I just gave up on it. I just <laughs> gave up on it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, after you uh, nick yourself a couple of times and, uh, you know, I'm really sensitive about that area because I really don't know what's going to happen if I cut into something that is a pump full of blood. You know what I'm saying? Well, dude, I'm super excited that we were some of the first people to get to try the lawnmower 4.0. In fact, Josh, I'm using it right now. Oh, why'd you have to leave the video on? Come on, yeah. dude. Ah, smooth as eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, man, I love this. I have really, really sensitive skin. So getting to have advanced skin safe technology on this thing, I now feel confidence shaving not only my face, but below the waist. Right. And now you don't even have to bust out your cell phone flashlight because it has a light on the front of it to hit those dark areas makes all the difference in the world. So I'm just telling you guys right now, our listeners, if you guys are shaving your face and body with the same trimmer, you are doing it wrong. So if you want to pick up your own lawnmower 4.0 trimmer or any of the other great products that are offered by Manscaped, like these amazing boxer briefs that they sent so us. So comfortable. Uh, head on over to manscaped.com and use promo code FEARSCAPE and get 20% off and free shipping. Again, 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com promo code fearscape unlock your confidence now smooth as eggs hello i'm so glad you could join us i hope you brought your blanket to hide under the Spooky Crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another spectacular episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I am joined, as always, by the man with the plan uh, that has a swift right hand, which we've mentioned before, but he also knows where to stand, and his name is not Dan. Right. It's, it's Josh Rutledge. It's Josh, yeah. Not Dan. Nope. Not no. Lieutenant Dan no, either. Not Lieutenant Dan. No. No. Like, Josh Rutledge. You doing all right? I'm tired. 
I even went to bed early last <laughs> night, and I'm tired. That's why I have a monster energy drink. I can only drink monster energy drinks when we do these shows because we're spooky stuff. So Yeah. I, I actually, at pretty much every show, I have a cup of coffee. I mean, I guess, wouldn't Red Bull be a cryptid? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got, like, wings and stuff, right? You know, it always reminds me of uh, the movie... The last unicorn mm-hmm. with the red the red bull that chased yep. all the unicorns into the sea. So <sighs> I'm still scarred by that. <laughs> um, just uh, speaking of which, yeah, I just bought my niece that book for her birthday this year. So ooh, get scarred with me. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> we have a very very awesome cool episode, a getting spooky episode with someone we have. Uh, been waiting and wanting to get on the show for quite some time. One, uh, one could even say we fond, we fond a little bit. Yeah, uh, for sure, because uh, his theories uh, and things like that we discussed with Alan Greenfield yep. uh, and all that stuff. That's right. We've got Connor Randall from Hellier coming on the show. That's right. The Connor Randall, the, the numbers man, the numbers man, the number, yeah. Mister Tin Can himself. <laughs> Um, so very excited. Yeah. I love Connor, man, and I'm so excited to have him on, and uh, we're going to be getting spooky I've, with him. I've even got my Hell Your T-shirt on I know. for the interview. You do indeed. <laughs> you do indeed. I just have my uh, Fearscape. Uh, it's like landscape, but spookier shirt that yeah. uh, my buddy Aaron made, yeah. um, But which you can get on the store at fearscapepodcast.com slash store. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's got Bigfoot mowing the lawn, man. That's you can't right. go wrong you with that. You can't go wrong. Uh, but yeah, I'm super excited about this this interview with, with Connor and uh, so much cool stuff and you know just surprises and all that jazz. And we did get questions from our blanket huggers out there that uh, we will be, if we have time, we'll try to do all of them, but um, we're going to at least get through a couple of them for Connor. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. So stick around for that. Um, Just a reminder, Josh, I know there's things that you love uh, for our audience to do. Yeah. I mean, well, there's things I love in general, like I like kittens, Uh uh, puppy dogs, Star Trek, Star Trek. Um, I, I really like, podcast reviews though it's like top of the list top for of sure the list. yeah top of the list for sure podcast reviews so anybody out there listening wherever you listen see if they have the ability to review i know itunes does spotify i don't think has it yet uh, they do not i'm pretty sure stitch, stitcher, stitcher does. does i think we said google Apple already google yeah. podcast does. so anywhere you're listening yeah, to Cast it box does. a number yeah. of them do right so just get out there and review help us out you know every, every little bit of review uh, provided it's a good review, uh, does a really good thing for us and kind of bump, bumps us up on the ratings list and all of that kind of stuff. Well, so. I, I'd like, since we're getting into the, you know, the holiday season, Halloween time coming up here soon, um, I want to offer our listeners a gift if they do that. So we've got some cool swag, like some stickers yep. that we'll give you a sticker for free. Get yourself a free Fearscape uh, sticker uh, yep. that you get for us. All you got to do is just review a podcast, take a screenshot of it, PM us or email us at fearscapepodcast at gmail.com uh, so that we make sure we see it. Um, PM us and then uh, we can send you a free sticker yep. through give, the mail. Give us your address and we'll send you only a free sticker. We won't spam you with anything. Else. No, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, we've, we've got some stickers that we wanted to give away and we thought this would be the best way because, you know, your reviews help us get noticed more. Right. Um, so help, yeah. Help us help you. Help, help these brothers out. <laughs> so yeah, if you, if you uh, create a review, 
Um, make sure, like we said, to screenshot it so we can see it and then send us that via any place that you can find us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, we, we actually just added the ability to use Facebook Messenger on our website. On the website, too. So, yeah. yeah. So, so just hit us up, send us a screenshot. Drop your address. We'll drop you a sticker. Yep, absolutely. For free. So anyways, just wanted to put that out there. We're going to be doing that for a little while. So I just wanted to start that since we're getting into the season. And because we got Connor on tonight. That's right. So so let's shut me up. Yeah. And let's get into the segment. segment. So So we we can get get to Connor. Connor. Exactly. (laughs) So let's get into our first segment of the week, which is the psychic word of the week. And now. Psychic word of the week. All right, so the psychic word or words of the week come from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June G. Bletzer, PhD. God bless her soul. Rest in peace, honey bear. Um, so I flipped through the pages, landed on page 507, and the uh, the term that I see here is psychic shock articles like like i'm shocked to see that like that i don't know i haven't read it yet but it does say in (laughs) in parentheses you know it always has some kind of reference to it it says future science okay so uh so you know any magic of old is future science (laughs) this is well it's present science now right yeah um but yeah so we've got two definitions here so the first one says uh a mundane object that has had mind activity transferred onto it, making it give off an electric shock when people come in contact with it. Mind energy is condensed and solidified with a specific purpose and projected onto the article. Uh, Hunus, which was also in parentheses, Hunus, uh, charged their fighting sticks so that when the stick struck the enemy, the enemy would become unconscious. Number two says the radionic machines have been designed to contain electrical energy, whether they are connected to a power source or not. These are made with mind energy. Had to be said like that. Yeah, it had to be. I think so. So, that, so that's that's really cool. Um, so it's it's basically it's a, it's a transference of energy to an object. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... And elect- Electrified, electrified. Yeah. So, um, I'd never heard of huna hunas before. It sounds so. like a type of people. Yeah, that's what it said. Well, yeah, because well, they use their their, their weapons yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, you're probably saying it wrong. I know. Well, it's H U N A, huna. It could be huna. Huna. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very very interesting because this specifically speaks of uh, electricity. Yeah. You know, so it's very, very interesting. And, you know, then then, of course, immediately it makes you question. You're like, so is static shock, just psychic mind energy. Yeah. <laughs> really? Somebody left behind. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, so I, th- I think of two things. One is, uh, you know, you got me some dowsing rods for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the way that those are supposed to work is they detect energy sources. And a lot of people use them for detecting water. It makes me wonder if, like, a lot of in, a lot of things go near water because water carries positive energy, and so they can absorb that positive energy. So I don't know how that relates to dowsing rods, but it just got me to that strain of path. <clears throat> so it, again, 
is it like a battery? You know, like the object that mm-hmm. you're passing this energy to, is are they treating it like a battery of sorts? I mean, you know, especially when transferred onto humans, I mean, aren't we essentially just a battery? Yeah, that's what Matrix told us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Huna, I did look it up. Uh, it is Huna because it comes from the word Kahuna. It's oh, Hawaiian. Okay. Um, it was a word adopted by Max Freedom Long in 1936 to describe his theory of metaphysics. He cited what he believed to be the spiritual practices of the ancient Hawaiian kahunas the priest there as inspiration um this was uh like it said the modern practitioners of traditional indigenous hawaiian religion so this is the hunas so yeah in a way i I guess the spiritual uh folks from uh from hawaii like so that that old practice and then they would be the um clergy so to speak the hunas are the clergy so I, i feel like i have to call it out because of who we have coming on the show. The page number you went to is 507, mm-hmm. which results down to 12, mm-hmm. which results down to the three. three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, three. I, mean, <laughs> I haven't thought about Alan Greenfield in a long time. The numbers are back. I guess that makes sense since we got Connor on to be talking That's numbers. Shoo, right. oh so, boy. Yeah. I'm going to be like, did the did the tin can smell like tuna? As, as you're like, so we positive postulate here that the the, the number seventeen, and I'm like, did or did it smell like beans? <laughs> so it's funny that that in this scenario, um, you are the you are the hick, and I am the like professor of whatever that, <laughs> yeah. like your tone of voice there. So yeah. <laughs> Anywho, anyway, anyway, anyway. So, uh, yeah, that's our psychic words for the week. So, thank you, June Bletzer. And uh, let's go ahead and move into spooky news. So, I, I know I say it every single time, but good Lord, do I have a weird one. <laughs> Did somebody come back from the dead again? No, no. It's not connected to anything this time around. Um, But it's just... Man, it's been a weird week for Spooky News. I've been finding some really creepy, weird things. Uh, But this one hits more of the weird the weird side of things. So this comes from the uh, YakimaHerald.com. What it says is, Wheelie, okay, W H E E L dash Y, Wheelie Mysterious, Hamster DNA, find baffles German police. <laughs> okay. Yeah, get ready for this. So this comes from Berlin, Germany. It says German police said Wednesday that they are losing hope of finding out who left on a train a box of vials containing hamster DNA, which caused alarm in the southwestern town of Heidelberg last week. Federal police didn't know what they were looking at, so they sent a bomb squad to investigate after a train driver found the styrofoam box with three vials of liquid on a local train Friday. Forensic specialists later determined that the liquid contained genetic material from hamsters. Officers had hoped to crack this case by publicizing the unusual find, but despite intense media interest, the owner has remained elusive so far. (laughs) 
So I guess hamster husbandry is a thing. I guess. I don't know. Uh, the police chief said that police had already disposed of the vials as the cold chain had been broken. Heidelberg is home to several research centers, including the European Molecular Biology Laboratory. So, you know, maybe something from there. I don't. But wait, what, what would we possibly learn from hamster DNA? <laughs> How to run faster? I told you it was more stamina. I don't know. They said it was really mysterious. How to how to fit a lot of pieces of 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 seeds in your mouth? Yep, or food. I mean, I can already do that. I we say you know how Louis Armstrong stretches his cheeks because he plays the trumpet. Yeah, Yeah, I do that because I eat a lot of pizza. (laughs) Same thing. Well, you have a banana shake stomach, so I I do. I got to hold it in there for a while and let it like. Make room. Masticize. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I masticate like it's nobody's business. You're like a cow. Like a cow. <laughs> or goats. They chew that chud. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. But yeah, that's my, my spooky news. I told you it's kind of weird. Um, I definitely have some more, but I'm saving them. Um, but <laughs> that one just, I don't know. Of all the things that I come across, that one made me laugh. I mean, maybe somebody is doing something with like racing hamsters. I know. Or it's going to come out like zombies ended up because they just tossed the vials into right. some dumpster. And yeah. like next thing you know, there's like zombie hamsters and then they bite a human. And next thing you know, it's World War Z. So. Right. Exactly. Well, I think that's how Spider-Man started. So maybe it'll be Hamster Man. Hamster Man. Hamster Man. He can run really fast, but only in a wheel. <laughs> as soon as he steps outside the so wheel, he's just, he's just fat and lazy just, again. Yeah. My, uh, my friend Paul, he had, um, when we were kids, he had a hamster named Murdoch because he loved A-Team. And uh, Murdoch used to... Well, and then his second one that he had, because Murdoch killed himself, like because they had him well, in like a bird cage. because his name was Murdoch. I know. Well, we laughed about that all the time. And then he got MacGyver. And no no <laughs> shit, but MacGyver used to find ways to, to get, get out, out of the cage. Because awesome. they had him in a bir- one of those hanging bird cages. Yeah. So, yeah, MacGyver used to get out all the time. And then Murdoch, he opened the, the door and Murdoch jumped. <laughs> and said, bye, Felicia! <laughs> <laughs> he was splatster. Um, anyways, so yeah. uh, rest in peace, Murdoch and MacGyver. <laughs> you guys were fun. And whatever those super hamsters are in the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and move to our UAP sighting of the week. All right, so we've got our UFO or UAP sighting of the week where we uh, pull a report from uh, one of the organizations that report said things. So what do we got this week? Yeah, so this actually goes back to January of this year. Excuse me. Uh, in, the uh, times before the virus. Well, technically the virus was still there. We just didn't know Yeah, about I know, it. but I mean times before the quarantine. Yeah, and, before we knew about it. Yeah. Um, and this actually took place in Bridgend. I might be saying that wrong in the UK or Wales. It was around 6.50 a.m. and I was carrying out my morning routine. I went out the back garden to have a cigarette when the object caught my eye. At first, I thought it was an airplane slowly spinning out of control. But as I kept watching it, I could vaguely see a center light with what looked like three other lights spiraling around it. It reminded me of a fidget spinner sort of thing. It was gliding through the sky, then took a curved right turn before disappearing. 
It lasted for about five minutes. I tried to capture photo evidence on my phone, but with it being as dark as it was, I was unable to get a shot. Hmm. Um, I, I hate that unidentified has made me go now. Now, now I'm like, it's super expensive, uh, super expensive drones with yeah. lights. Um, I mean, but that was like one of the only place in the world that had those things, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and those, those drones that can do like what we saw in unidentified mm-hmm. are expensive. I yeah. mean, they're, I don't think you would want it tumbling out of control through the sky. No, not you know what at I'm all. saying? So, uh, and why would you be doing it at six fifty in the morning? Yeah, I know. In January. And I wonder. Um, I wonder. Did, did he say how fast they seem to be going at all? Well, he he said it looked like a. At first, he thought it was an airplane slowly spinning out of control. So, I mean that that doesn't mean anything. That either, doesn't. Sometimes you know, planes just look like they're hanging in the sky. Right. Exactly. So you know, he doesn't say how far away it was from mm-hmm. him. I mean, it was close enough that he could make out some detail with lights and stuff, but still far enough away that he couldn't make out it, you know, yeah, and a really camera wouldn't pick yeah. it up. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, and, and it, you know, he also 6.50 in the morning in January, so that's still pretty dark oh, yeah, in the morning. Oh, yeah, for sure, and cold. And if he's, you know, close to a city, there's probably light pollution and stuff. So, um, so yeah, so I, he doesn't say how far away or anything like that, but, yeah. Still, really interesting. I, I, I just I have a hard time grasping the drone. Oh, me too. I, I just you know yeah. the the new skeptic from identified unidentified has to come out and say that me, um, you know. And then then I wonder though. It's like I wonder how the lights looked. It's like were they kind of flattened or faced him? Yeah. So were they spinning clockwise or counterclockwise, or was it like spinning away from him? So did yeah. the light disappear when it went behind an object? You know what I mean? Like as it yeah. spun. That's that's questions I would have. For well, it's, him. what's really interesting here is on this report, it does say triangle shape. Oh, so maybe just in I his that. in his account. Well, he didn't say it right. in his account. That's just how. Th- but uh, when he filed the report, you have to choose the shape of That's the object. Right, yeah, and you can choose unknown. Like if you mm-hmm. don't know what the shape was, he chose triangle, or it could be a she. I don't know. But um, but so I mean, the fact that they chose a triangle, uh, even though they don't talk about it being triangle shaped, mm-hmm. leads me to be that maybe it was a little closer for them to make out some sort of form. Yeah, that now that changes things yeah. for me. You know that that changes how I I even see it because immediately like my first thought was almost like this uh, the view from Betty and Barney Hill like how they saw it like the the way the lights kind of spun a little bit and the way it sat and that's what my brain went at first and then it kind of went to this spiral shape which if you've ever seen uh i think it's called phoenix forgotten um i think i talked about it on the show once it's a found footage uh sci-fi horror film okay all about the phoenix lights and mm-hmm. it's about these two people that disappear um ah, okay. via the well when they get they investigate these phoenix lights and they end up being these like spiral type portal type Machine. It was really, really interesting. The last ten minutes is just insanely cool, um, but that's what it made me think of, like these spirals of light. Kind of like the um, uh, Da Vinci invention that had like the spiral helicopter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that kind of like you know? Kinda... No, that's not what it's like. But I know what you mean. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm... I mean, it's legit more like a fireworks spiral. Oh, okay. It, it was light. I mean, it was okay. Legit it was light. Lights. It wasn't a craft that was spiral. Yeah, there were other things too, but I don't want to because that gives away a lot of the movie, and it, it's actually surprisingly really well done. I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, check out, I think it's Phoenix Forgotten. 
something like that. So, so but yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good sighting. You know, just a little bitty one, but man, got me thinking. Yeah. So. All right. Well, let's uh, move into our last segment before we get to the uh, getting spooky with Connor Randall. Let's get into some creepy catch up. 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 Y'all, it's creepy. All right, so you said nothing. I got nothing. Week. It's it, my my life is still so chaotic right now with like non traditional instruction for the mm-hmm. kids and stuff. I just like I go to bed most nights and I'm lucky that I fall asleep. Yeah. So, um, well, for me, I had um, one or two things happening to me uh, last night. Surprisingly, uh, it was pretty dry week up until then. Uh, Lance and I were recording for Mistress of the Dark, and uh, I've been having issues kind of recording because you know uh, just the way the house is, and um, with everyone home at seven, it's I don't have like a faraway space there like we have here. Yep. So that's why I come over here uh, to record. Uh, but there, so with Lance, what I usually end up having to do is go to the back room and I use my laptop and we record via headset and things like that. Well, the 5G uh, wireless that I have at the house, you know, like for some reason doesn't reach back there very well because it's completely on the opposite corner of the house is where the router is. Well, uh, well, well actually, you, not, to, not to derail your creepy catch-up, but just a little bit of information there. 5G is a stronger signal but less coverage. 2.4G is a weaker signal, but more coverage. Okay, yeah, because that's what I'm saying. So yeah. I end up us- usually having to use the 2.4, but it sucks. And so, like, there's a lot of lag, and they go in and out. So I end up actually using my phone's hotspot because I have a 5G phone. Um, and even then, it's, it's you know, it's but whatever. So anyways, I was like, I don't want to do that. And it's been too hot for me to go out to the camper to go use it out there because they don't have the air running in there. So it's just too hot. So I was like, I'm going to go to the other spare bedroom. It, it has a, It's pretty much where all the storage is and stuff like that. But there's still an old bed in there. So I cleaned off the bed and laid in there. And uh, got got the 5G si- Wi-Fi signal perfectly. Yep. So, I mean, it was great. I mean, just literally, you know, 25 feet made a huge difference. Oh, yeah. And so, anyway, so I'm in there, and uh, I'm just I'm just sitting on this bed, man. And I just, I, I just start feeling stuff. Like, I just start feeling, like, brushes along my leg. Like, while I'm waiting for Lance to sign on, brushes mm. along my leg, kind of along my arm. And I'm like, come on now. You know, and it didn't feel like a bug. Yeah. You know, which I still looked just in case it was a bug. No animals. Door was closed. Um, but I'm feeling these brushes. And then Lance gets on, too. And, uh, like, I watch. He doesn't see it. And I tried to look at the video. So I got to be crazy. But I felt like my pillow moved to the right. Mm. And I looked back at the video. I don't see anything. I see me jumping. Yeah. Um, and being like, what? what the hell? Um, so, I mean, it definitely felt worse than what it looked like, you know, but that kind of happened. Yeah. Um, and then when I finished up with Lance, like, again, I like I felt this hand on my shoulder, you know, and I was just like. It's just weird. Hmm. And so now I'm like, is that room haunted? Well, so so let's remind people who either maybe have forgotten or who might be new listeners that your house that's really close to a cemetery. It's adjacent to one, yeah. Yeah. It's liter- so at the back corner of our backyard, the fence to the cemetery starts. And it's just an old, like, family, family cemetery. Yeah, I mean, there's maybe 15 
yeah, pots but, in there. But still, 15 is yeah. is enough for them to have a house party mm-hmm. in your backyard. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. um, so it makes you, you know, it, is it somebody who was attached to the house, or is it somebody who was from that cemetery, or... Or just, I mean... Something else. Something else. I mean, this was her sister's old bedroom, uh, my wife's sister's old bedroom, and, you know, she if there was anyone that was going to have that classic teen uh, poltergeist happening, it would have been her, because um, she was a crazy teen, just like me. That's why we hung out in high school. Yep. Um, stuff like that. So I don't know. I've only ever slept in that room, like, once. We, c- we came and stayed the night, and we slept in that room. You so, know, um, but now I'm like, man, is that bat, is that room haunted? Like, well, it makes it really it would be interesting since since nobody really goes in that room. Data is in there. By okay, the, way, the, the cardboard <laughs> the cardboard that scares cut me and yeah. my dog. Maybe it's lore, actually. Yeah, but, <laughs> that's what I always say. I'm like, it's, it's lore. <laughs> uh, but like, since nobody really goes in there, it'd be interesting to set up a camera in that room, undisturbed, mm-hmm. and see what you catch. Yeah, I could do that. I mean, I have my old. Uh, camera that I used to record improv shows with back when digital video cameras first came out. So I might do that. I might just set it up and see what happens. See what you catch. Because <laughs> it's yeah. got like 10 hours or something. I mean, if I nobody do. goes in there, set it up, you know, one night at like, you know, 9 or 10 o'clock mm-hmm. at night, let it run all night all long. All night long. And then sit down and watch it for 10 hours. <laughs> 10 hours. Hey, guys, uh, you guys want to come over and, <laughs> and watch an empy room? Yeah, we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> Come on, guys. We're having a binge party. Yeah. <laughs> it's called the bedroom. Oh, I'll be there. Um, but yeah, and it, but yeah. So the, it's the first time I've really had a lot happen. I mean, besides night hags and stuff like this, was a legit paranormal experience. Well, no, that's you know. not the first time because you also had that time in your basement where you smelled. No, no, no. I, what I meant to say was in a while. Oh, okay, okay. It, it's okay. been a while because, um, so, like, a lot of the last stuff I've had, it, for the most part, has has not been like physical like that. Yeah. And so it was interesting. I mean, I felt that hand full on my shoulder. I didn't get scared at the hand. I got scared of the pillow. Um, and even then, that could have just been me anticipating something because I was already nervous with right. the brushes. Right. Um, and uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Very. Well, and the pillow even could have been a small enough tug for you to notice, but you felt it as big because, like you say, you were already. Yeah, I was leaning, you know, because um, I was sitting up. So yeah. it was kind of up by the top of my head but yeah so interesting definitely it felt like something was trying to say hey i'm yeah, here i'm here yeah, yeah I, I never felt you know like negative yeah or or dread or anything like that so this is very interesting it's kind of cool it's kind of cool i'm definitely uh, gonna check out that room a little bit more and see what happens um and go from, go from there <laughs> <laughs> so uh anyways yep. yeah so that was creepy ketchup and that puts us at our ad break and then coming back and talking to the con man himself so that's what i call my nephew's con man i don't mean that in a, in a yeah, derogatory it's, it's sense not, we're not saying he makes stuff up no i'm just saying that's a an affectionate term okay that he doesn't know i give him <laughs> uh but anyway so let's go ahead and take an ad break and then we'll be right back and we'll be getting spooky with hellier's connor randall Hey there, Blanket Huggers. Stefan here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Got some good news for you. If you want to join in on the investigation of the mystery of the recent emails from the man claiming to be Terry Rist to Josh and myself, a.k.a. the Spooky Crew, uh, and his advice on where to look for more high strangeness, uh, or if you simply want to become a patron blanket hugger for some cool swag and behind-the-scenes goodness... 
go ahead and join our Patreon at fearscapepodcast.com slash support or patreon.com slash fearscapepod. There you can get Risk Watch access to the Terry emails themselves, the WhatsApp conversation about it all with Josh, Stefan, Santosh, and Olaf Phillips, and even any clues that are new that we have found in other Fearscape-related bonus content. You can even help out and add anything that you have found to help us dive deeper into the mystery. And remember, you can also just be a normal blanket hugger, as there are a few non-wristwatch tiers for patrons not interested in Terry Wrist and that journey. You'll still have access to bonus interviews, articles, and live Patreon-only Q&As, as well as early access and discounted tickets to events put on by Fearscapes, such as psychic events, tarot readings, etc. Or you can simply support however you feel comfortable with tiers as low as $1. So join today. Thank you guys for sticking around. Uh, We've got Connor Randall, our main man from Hell You're Here, uh, that was so gracious to join us. And again, I just wanted to say thank you, Connor, so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, hook up with us, man. Because, you know, not only are we big fans of you specifically, but of the show Hell You're as well and all things paranormal. So it's a pretty big deal to be able to talk to you today. I appreciate that, you guys. Thank you. I'm always happy to to sit and chat about strange things, so I'm here for it. <laughs> Same. That's us, too. That's why we got tired of sitting in the living room talking about strange things, right. so we said we might as well mic it. <laughs> might, as well, might as well share our theories with everybody else. Yep, so. and uh, we have some some odd ones, but yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, we'll get before we even get into all, like, hell your stuff, we got so much more we want to know about you. Yeah. So, so sure. you know, I, I'm sure that from you've probably done a lot of interviews, and they always ask, you know, how'd you get into the paranormal? But I'm going to start the show with, how'd you get into the paranormal? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, the, the, my first introduction, like many, was, uh, was ghosts. And, and that's sort of, I think, sometimes the gateway drug. Sorry, let me hang my phone For up sure. really quick. There we go. I, I, I got um, into ghosts first. And what's funny is when I started, uh, it was mainly because the Stanley Hotel was right in my backyard. Oh, yeah. Um, Think about that. I had, uh, I I don't necessarily talk about this so often. I had some early experiences from childhood, some of those more personal than others. But it's like, Mm -hmm. like a lot of people, some more strange things start to happen. And then the show Ghost Hunters came out. And I was an impressionable 11-year-old boy. And uh, watched every episode of that show that I could. They went to the Stanley Hotel. I got so excited about that. I wanted to be there. Um, and it was just about an hour away. And so on birthdays, um, on various you know holidays, when I got a chance, I would ask my parents and they would take my friends and I up to the Stanley. And we just, uh, awesome. so so I would, I would be there and I would basically make with my ham, you know, handheld camcorder, my own episodes of of ghost hunters and that was kind of my introduction to film and my introduction to the paranormal at the same time uh and so after that when i was 17 years old i i uh during spring break of for off of high school i i got a job up at the stanley i was a concierge um did some of the little history tours and stuff like that uh just because i wanted to be mm-hmm. around yeah. stories of ghosts right. and and so i so i kept uh, coming back and then i eventually uh landed a job there as one of the resident paranormal people uh which was really just a dream come true for that time in my life so i had kind of a strange college experience because what i would do is basically go to class four days a week in denver 
and then three days a week I would go and and live up in Estes Park and I would and I would lead the paranormal tours and um, collect stories and uh, you know gather history and everything that I could there and we did that uh, along with Carl and and a couple of other people um, Lisa Michelle Tate um, for almost five years so wow. That was kind of my, I guess, paranormal pedigree per se. That's so um, cool. I mean, that's like us because we've got Waverly in our backyard, right? That's in Louisville. cool. And uh, I mean, that's just, I can't imagine. I, I'm obsessed with Stanley Hotel. It's, it's on my bucket list. So like, I love, I love hearing all that stuff, man. It's so cool. Well, I, I didn't really realize that uh, so many of those old, I guess, haunted places would have uh, paranormal staff. Like, I didn't realize that was a thing until... You mentioned it. So <laughs> honestly, I think the Stanley was, was really the only people that ever did it. The, the reason is because um, it's it's so strange because it's a busy place. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my job title was resident paranormal investigator, um, and the the way basically what it was is that people would pay sixty dollars uh, to spend like six seven hours um, with Carl and myself, and throughout the night we would just they gave us keys and it was kind of like go go have fun with these people (laughs) (laughs) so i was i was very fortunate to have that yeah we were also fortunate to have a haunted location that was consistently visited three nights a week for five years we really were able to map out and get an idea for the activity itself yeah that's like sounds like keith age because like keith age here with the louisville ghost hunter society and all that one of our mentors that's what essentially what he did with waverly he's the one that got them to really start saying hey you guys should have people that are able to come here and do haunts and haunts and he led a lot of those just like you did for many number of years like mm-hmm. he would do all that well um, you know it's nice to hear that it wasn't just you know a, a guest would call down at 2 a.m and say something's rattling the door you'd have to go up there and check it out like right. a, like a paranormal maintenance man you know, so. <laughs> yeah, they had somebody they had somebody to do it for them so. you open up there's <laughs> well, an old lady in the tub it's just <laughs> It's the classic shiny experience yep. every weekend. I've been, I was snowed in there a few times. So, so yeah, man, between, between that and between, of course, I joined a local team, one of the, one of the mm-hmm. quote unquote taps family teams. So I did all those, uh, you know, residential paranormal investigations as well. So for, so for five, six years, I just kind of lived that, um, so that good on our life. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, things got a whole lot stranger after that. <laughs> absolutely man i love it i love it so how how much let, let's jump into that just a little bit so how much time elapsed i guess between your time at, at the uh stanley and when you started working on hellier yeah so the uh the stanley was the perfect uh precursor to hellier in that it sort of gave us some skills <laughs> yeah. that we needed because what happened was uh carl uh, got into started getting really into photography and um, that sort of transitioned well into video work as well mm-hmm. and it sort of just kind of sounds like like you guys were talking about your podcast one night it was just like well why don't we start to make uh, some vlogs and and do some video blogs so so we did that so we called it spirits of the Stanley and we had our our Facebook page where we would post the videos um, about each given weekend and then the Stanley it's a long story that's probably an own its own separate podcast in itself but the stanley basically cut the cord um very quickly um one one night with uh, it's was basically overnight said we're going to stop doing paranormal stuff Hmm. so suddenly uh we're out of a job and uh it became like well that that really sucks um (laughs) yeah really and so so we didn't really know exactly what to do um carl though 
of course, has had his pulse kind of on the paranormal um, larger community than I did for a while. He did um, some other projects and things like that and, and listened to a podcast interview with Greg Newkirk, um, Euphemet, about mm. that to Kentucky Goblin's case. Mm-hmm. And basically, Carl, Carl said this, this is uh, really fascinating and it kept him up enough nights for him to be like, we should go, we should go try and tell this story. We should hit him up. And uh, after pestering Greg enough, um, <laughs> he agreed. So yeah, and that's that's when you know you got something when you can't let it. When you can't let it go, go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, just that. I mean, oh, and honestly, I mean, it's just like that. That happened to us, of course, after watching Hellier as well, and just started yeah. feeding some theories and things that we had with stuff that we were covering. And I mean, it helped the show take a very sharp left. Um, into more things related along those a lines lot of, and you stuff. Know, really, really got into a lot of Keel, reading a lot of Keel. Oh, man, we have read everything um, Keel. Everything now. Keel. <laughs> uh, Gray Barker, uh, working, uh, what's the uh, the guy from the 2040, the, ah. The 2040? No, the guy with the the, Dero, the Daros and the, and the Terror. Oh, yeah, Richard Shaver. Shaver. Richard Shaver, yeah. yeah you know, we're Get just, into the Shaver yeah. mysteries. I've been, I mean, and I've been, like, hitting used bookstores trying to track down old <laughs> stories, too. <laughs> we got a whole... Because I found one on, like, a archive, and you'll find this really cool. I was looking up, you know, on archive.org, you can look up old uh, mm-hmm. magazines and things like that, and which I did. I found a couple amazing stories, but what was really amazing was that in one of them, as I'm looking, I'm reading through the letters to the editor, and there in the letters to the editor is a letter from an 18-year-old Philip K. Dick. And oh, I was that's just, funny. I, could, I wasn't looking for that at all because I'm looking for Shaver stuff. And there it is right there. Before he became anybody or anything, he was an avid reader of amazing stories mm-hmm. and wrote a letter to the editor, and I just happened to stumble upon it. It was, it was crazy. That's cool. That's really not that surprising, but you'd probably be the first person in a long time to like post about that or something. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people yeah, I haven't know seen that. anything about that. It was really well, interesting. You know what's really? Uh, we went to um, uh, we went to Vero Beach. My family and I did over the summer, and we went up to uh, Cape Canaveral and kind of toured the uh, museum and stuff up there. And they got a section where it talks about the the uh, the characteristics of an astronaut. Yeah. <clears throat> and in one of the one of the segments where it talks about one of the astronauts. There's actually several copies of amazing stories behind glass. Oh, really? Yeah. We should ask. We got Ken Johnston coming on astronaut in a couple of weeks, and we should ask him about that. Yeah. <laughs> he, he if read you read them in amazing stories, but yeah. <laughs> it, it, again, I don't know if that qualifies as synchronicity, but it's just weird how everything just kind of ties together a little bit. So yeah, it's it's really mm-hmm. cool, man. But yeah, we we definitely, um, and you know, and I know a lot of people do as well because we follow message boards and stuff like that but man you guys really opened a door um for everybody to uh kind of feel like the weird shit that they were into is is all of a sudden making sense yeah and thoughts that we've especially us living living and growing up in kentucky i mean good lord have we thought about (laughs) all of those things for many many years and living in central kentucky i lived for a while and in somerset and all those places and you're like yep or especially out in eastern kentucky because i've been i'd been to hellier years ago because i had a friend that lived out in hueysville and another friend that lives in paintsville Mm. and uh Mm -hmm. we i've been at that gas station a hundred times and of course you know so i'm watching it with a different eye because i'm like Okay, I know this area. <laughs> yeah, what what seems like a foreign land to to most of all the yeah. other people watching. Yeah, you know we got really fortunate in the in the event that Hellier 
struck a chord um, sure with with a with connectivity. Really, I think is what it was, and and that frankly, a lot of that is due to to the mindset the new that the Newkirks already had going into it, um, just within their own website within Planet Weird, and, yeah, and it's for like, sure. yeah, it's it's. Um, we we are not going to be just ghost people, just alien people, just right. crypto people. Um, you you categorize that into the larger phenomena, and suddenly, you it opens up the floodgates for everything to be a whole lot more interesting. And yeah. and that's where our research continues to take us too, is along yeah. that keel route. That yeah. idea that it is all related. it all is all related. Yeah. That ultra terrestrial it's just all related somehow some way um but yeah it's fascinating and it, it's so cool to have done that but, but the the thing is it's like because i remember seeing it like when it first came out because we covered the kentucky goblins um oh god it's been like two years ago now and uh in my research on kentucky goblins i kept coming across hellier and um and i was like not another you know not another monster doc or ghost doc on prime you know and um so because uh, i didn't read any reviews or anything like that and then i watched it and i binged it in yeah. one night and i was like josh you have to watch this and then it, and then like, i and then i binged it yeah and then binged it again and <laughs> one of the things that really worked is that a it's not your average yeah. doc which i love and b and this is a testament to carl is just the film work on it is yeah. amazing superb it's superb yeah. and that catches me it's not just that you know iphone camera like you know that somebody's holding and they're right. holding it together or whatever it's just everything is put together so well between the sound the the video the interviews um the way you guys do flashbacks anything like that it's 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 exceptional work and that's why it stands out to me not just the information that you guys put out there but just the art of it as an actor and an improviser and creator myself and stuff I just appreciate the hell out of the work. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. That, that means a lot, man. This is so nice. This is great, guys. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. It, tests, it speaks a lot. So I, uh, I have seen that man color grade, and that is uh, a painstaking process <laughs> yeah, to good. watch. Good it's, it's a lot of you have to care about you have to care about every shot. Yeah. Um, and it's I think that it puts people. I think that from a interesting perspective that i that isn't necessarily overtly expressed in the documentary um it puts people in a bit of a liminal headspace not just mm -hmm. because of the content obviously it's and that's what we're talking about um liminality and paranormal phenomena but also because it is a a little bit confusing to your brain because it's a documentary uh presented on a cinematic anamorphic lens that's right. dealing with it that looks different and yeah. um that formula that he found really, really worked well, struck a chord with a lot of people, I think. It really does. I mean, I've gotten people that aren't even into paranormal stuff into watching that simply because of how well it's shot and things like yeah. that, you know? So that's a really, that's a testament to you guys. Yeah, so thank you. It's excellent. It was a lot and of you fun. guys put the Estes method on the map. Now yeah. everybody and their mother's doing Estes. <laughs> yep, I know. Yeah. It's so true. It, I'll tell you what, it makes a difference though. I mean, I've always done ghost box stuff forever and ever and ever. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, we even took it to the next level and we started um, doing it by starting with binaural beats to get ourselves a little bit more into um, a state. And then I ended up finding myself channeling one time yeah. through Estes and I'm like, oh my yeah, God. It's so, gotten more and more and more. It's really interesting. More. It's just, it's so great that in this, you know, I guess we'll call it parapsychology or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. You guys really helped kind of move that forward a little bit by sharing the things that you've learned. And, and, yep. and that's the other side of it is there's this great teaching aspect to it. And that's something Dana definitely does well with for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's a lot of, um, 
yeah, it, it's a lot of people that each do something. And, and so many people are very, um, very kind about offering their help and their services. And, and as you can see, especially in season two, uh, we talked to a whole lot of people mm-hmm. and, and, you know, even, even cameras off or on and, and we're sitting there. Um, but I think that the, that the core team itself that, that was kind of put together was, was good and that we each kind of helped bring something else to it. You know, I'm, I'm a musician played in a mm-hmm. few bands and stuff. I was able to hit up those guys for music we were right. able to take our experiences from the Stanley and apply it to goblins, um, in a strange way. And, and the Estes method, I am pretty shocked at how well it it sort of took off after that but i guess it kind of makes sense because it's mm-hmm. a lot more interesting to watch um yeah. and to try and experience yourself uh what's cool is that greg was actually the one who told us to kind of name it that he's like you've <laughs> got to give it a name um because you want people to be able to do it correctly and right. and so we we wrote an article specifically giving instructions yep, so we're we like read it. <laughs> here it is guys like yeah. it's it's right here. Anybody can do this. It's a, it's an open book uh, for anybody. So, and it's yeah. interesting yeah. because I mean, it definitely plays on an old school type of thing that they would do in the late 1800s and 1900s anyways, you know, by using sensory deprivation and things like that to, um, uh, to hear things or to invoke or things like mm-hmm. that. It's, it's fun, man. It's kind yeah. of, and it becomes kind of addictive. It's, yeah, it, it actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we did it a lot in Point Pleasant. It was know, fun. You know, the, the most recently we did it, uh, just, just outside of Waverly, uh, they wouldn't let us up close to the parking lot. So we parked at the golf course and, uh, after, you know, you say, you know, I'm going to bring you out in 20 minutes. Well, <clears throat> to the person, as you know, I'm, I'm sure, as to the person under, 20 minutes doesn't feel like 20 minutes. And so when the, when the person taps you on the knee or whatever to bring you out, you're like, man, I don't want it to end. So mm-hmm. uh, you, just, you, you feel know, like you might be just about to hear that just, next yeah, right thing. Right there. It's like you're right there sometimes. Yeah. Or me, I'm like ready to punch somebody every time because I'm zoned, man. Yep. Well, you know, the last couple of times that we've done it, we haven't even asked any questions. We just let the person talk and then go back and listen to whatever was said to see if there was a message to be heard. Yeah, sure. it's, it's it's interesting. Yeah, we've tried so many different ways. Yeah. And, you know, in the roundabout, all of that was, again, to say thank you guys yeah. for introducing that because it's, 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 it's affected us uh, on a spiritual level. I mean, I, yeah. feel like, I feel like you guys were one night like, I've got these headphones and I got this sleep mask. Let's put them together. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how it worked. Yeah, it came it came about because we were we were annoyed with uh, with the tourists um, who would bring them up to the Stanley Hotel and and play them out loud, and everybody hears what they want to hear, and it's yeah. a whole uh, finish the sentence accordingly. And so it was like, well, why don't why doesn't just one person listen to it and and yeah. say what they're hearing? Yeah. And then it became even cooler. It's like, well, what if they couldn't hear the questions? And what if they couldn't see anything in the room? Yeah. And what if we separated them from the rest of the group? What if we put them in a separate room with a baby monitor next to them? What right. if we put them, we changed up all these yeah. different things. And we tried to, a couple of things that, that haven't gone public in terms of trying to like, not necessarily disprove it, but like sort of like, how can we sort of affect this experiment? What are some other variations we have? We even tried, um, there was one night where I pre-recorded a session Um in my own house that lasted the same amount of time that mm-hmm. this next session that Carl asked in person was. And I would listen to one that was pre-recorded and one that was real and in the moment, but Carl didn't know the difference. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, is, is there a difference here? Of course, do spirits affect time? I don't know, right. but it gets, it gets confusing quickly and it gets yeah. very much like, 
basically what it is is it's a sort of uh i don't know uh, greg would call it some sort of maybe like psychical lubricant that's able yeah. to, <laughs> to make it I easier almost... for some other side to come through yeah <laughs> um, we, we do a segment uh, to the start of the show. If, if you've listened, you know it called Second mm-hmm. Word of the Week. Yeah. And uh, today, when he flipped open the book, he almost cho- chose Psychic Lubricant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So funny. Um, but yeah, we did one time, we did uh, where we both went under and recorded yeah, that was to chaos. See, if, see if it would mm-hmm. kind of match up or anything like that. They would talk to each not. other. It was, it was, <laughs> it was sheer <laughs> chaos. You weren't talking to each other. Yeah. No. It, no. <laughs> it's uh, like, but why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? It's like, please try it. And and some mm-hmm. other people I know try it. We tried with white noise as well. But yeah, frankly, we in my opinion, I think this SP7 Spirit Box is probably best. Uh, was the clu- conclusion that that I kind of reached simply because I think that the brain is expecting to hear something. Yeah. Um, if you just plug somebody in and they know it's white noise, I'm not sure that the subconscious can enter the state that I it agree. needs to be in. Yeah, you definitely, that's, you know, where you definitely need to get yourself in uh, almost trance-like mode, you know, mm-hmm. hypnotic state to allow your brain to kind of go if you're going to go that route. Yeah, sure. and I mean, most of the times that we've done it, we've used one of those SB7 uh, spirit boxes as well. We've also used an app on Stefan's phone a couple times. Yeah, but, it uh, picks up world signals, so it's it's sometimes you get some mm. other languages. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Have but you I had, it, prefer AM over FM. <laughs> you do? I was going to ask, yeah, yep. AM, okay. Yep. Yep. Because so much on FM, you get a lot of baby, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more and a lot more station identification. Yep. And, yeah. like and that. then it gets really trippy because then on AM, you're talking a lot of politics, you know? Yeah, so yeah. then it gets almost sounds like it's like Armageddon coming or yeah. whatever. <laughs> like like we, when we did the, uh, we did a session at Point Pleasant in the domes, uh, mm-hmm. in the middle of the domes. And um, the first time I did it, it was on FM. I didn't get squat. Uh, then Stefan and our other friend Santosh did it on AM and they, you know, Stefan channeled halfway through. We got all this weird channeling information about, mm-hmm. it was crazy. It was just crazy. We, we're going to, we're going to, we got to put that together in a video, drop it on YouTube, someday, but yeah. <laughs> someday, but uh, well, you try molding together night vision and in, in um, all that stuff, all that stuff, yeah, you know, know. <laughs> yeah. work, work full time too. So yeah, yeah those, those AM uh, signals are a little stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe easier for them to use as well for them, quote unquote, the other, yeah, the yep, other. Yep. And I felt like, uh, the AM signal got through the dome easier yeah. through that cement dome than the mm-hmm. FM signal. So, yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, you're not just Hellier though, and you're probably not just Stanley hotel. I mean, you probably have other paranormal interests outside of those two things or, or just other interests. Other interests in general. Like music and <laughs> like stuff. Like music. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, we're very interested in getting to know you in general. Well, we appreciate that. So, so here's the th- I, uh, I suppose that my, a lot of my interests, mostly, honestly, outside of Hellier, if I'm being totally honest, is mostly dogs. I work and volunteer oh, with a dog yeah. rescue all the time. I love dogs. So I've got, yeah. So, so that's where, and that's where I met my girlfriend at the same dog rescue. So we're like, very much a dog oriented household grew up around them and my parents taking in fosters all the time. Um, and so that's honestly probably my biggest, uh, quote unquote hobby outside of the paranormal. I have a a strange double life, um, where I, in order to pay the bills, because 
surprise to to the listeners out there this isn't a full-time gig for for <laughs> most anybody right um <laughs> i uh i work uh for the colorado legislature so i do like really? but that's all what's great is that the session is only for for five months five six months out of the year mm-hmm. and so it's basically the first half of the year um what you'll notice with a lot of hellier stuff is a lot of it happens between the months of july and december and that's because that's when i'm not that's when i'm not at the legislature so so we uh will start that filming season quote unquote or whatever in the last the past few years we have in in june um and so that uh it, i work for the government by day and then by night slash the other half of the year um it enables me to go out and do and do what i what i love to do what i'm what i'm passionate about so um was happy to find that niche with my with my college degree i guess yeah i i've always said that as a because i have a musical theater degree mm-hmm. <laughs> i've always said that my day job is always helping me pay for my career my acting career exactly <laughs> yeah. but yeah. that's now turned into so much more i mean you know i do more than acting and improv and stuff but yeah i, I feel you on that one for sure but yeah mm-hmm. love love dogs for sure. What? How many do you got right now? Uh, three. And, three. And then, uh, yeah, fosters of any given type or variety. Uh, yeah, my, we foster too when we can. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. We we recently adopted foster failed um, a little blind boy, and um, he's blind. His name's we named him Crash, um, partially because it's funny and because he's just <laughs> so fun and he's just yeah. like ready to hang out. So so we have Crash the uh, the blind dog, and he's you know a, still a puppy, but so so fun and and just watching him it's really been a wonderful thing to have during quarantine because i haven't been really anywhere this is the first time carl <laughs> yeah. and i have seen each other in months i haven't you know <laughs> I, I went to my job at the capitol went home and and uh because i'm as well so i'm so i'm like high risk uh right uh so I, I, I had a heart transplant when i was a little boy oh man and so it was a lot so so <laughs> I was like, man, this is this is some serious stuff, right? I know it's hard to just throw that out there. People are like, wow, <laughs> sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. But, uh, that's uh, I guess that's part of my past too. So um, it all molds into this uh, strange lifestyle. Um, but anyway, yeah, getting to watch uh, Crash the Blind Dog experience and learn about the world over the past four months has been a has been a good way to spend it sounds like crash needs a tiktok channel i know because we've got like because all of our pets we name after star wars uh characters because my wife and i are big star wars nerds and doctor our our wedding was a doctor who wedding we're big nerds um (laughs) but yeah so we've got you know obi pug kenobi's half pug half sharpay and and just different things like that but they've got their own little uh, Instagram. Instagram called Star Wars Pets. And so uh, we've also fostered, <laughs> you know, a couple pets. So they're on there too. Like we had Ahsoka for a while, this crazy black lab that's and just awesome. things like that. And then my friend in Somerset that we're going to visit, that's, I mean, she does that. That's what she does when she's not teaching at Somerset Community College. She is rescuing Airedales. Like that is her passion. She drives cool. all over the region to go pick up Airedales and, and other dogs too, but she's, she loves her some Airedales. See, yeah, I just t- I just have two cats. One one is named Kitty Whiskers. That's what happens when you let a three year old name a cat. <laughs> and yeah, they uh, just like look at the cat and they're like, "How okay, Kitty with whiskers." That's yeah. At least they weren't like 
orange. Well, <laughs> I, I tried to get it to be Tiberius uh, from James Tiberius Kirk, obviously, but um, but it, it was hard for a three year old to say Tiberius. So <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, yeah. that's funny. I didn't know that part. And then the uh, my second uh, kitten we just got is Ariel. Uh, that one my my kid's name too because my wife's a huge Disney fan. So that's fair. Uh, but Which, uh, uh, technically. Star Wars is Disney now, so really you guys are kind Tech, of on the same right, page. Right, yeah. we are on the same page. Technically, yes. For sure, for <laughs> sure. So let me let me ask you one. I'll, I'll reverse it really quick here. Would yeah, you like rather that. Would you rather it be Ray Kenobi? <laughs> I I I I yes, because I okay. really I was all about that idea for the story. I'm a huge. We're both big Star Wars nerds and Star Trek nerds, but sure. yeah, that whole storyline. You know, with Obi-Wan Kenobi possibly sleeping yeah. with uh, the queen from Mandalore. Yep. I'm like, that could have been an amazing, the, uh, that could what, have been his granddaughter. That would have been really Duchess cool. Satine, I believe is the name yeah. you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm personally I'm not... waiting. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm personally waiting for more information about the Knights of Ren. That's the most Star I Wars know. spinoff story I, I feel like I'd care the most about. Me too. At this point. I think that in the, because uh, I've recently started, boy, it's getting real nerdy. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it recently, I started reading all the Star Wars Marvel comics. Um, I'm not a Marvel fan, but since Star Wars in there, I watched or I read a lot of it. Um, they're really, really good. Um, but uh, just side note there, but one of the ones I haven't read yet is uh, the Kylo Ren series, and I think mm-hmm. they get into it, into the Knights of Ren in the comic book series. Well, I, I feel like, you know, in in, uh, in episode eight, of course, we're introduced to, or maybe it was seven, where, you know, you were the strongest, the Knights of Ren. Yeah. And then we see the Knights of Ren in nine, which do, they do absolutely nothing except for arrest Chewie. So, um, <laughs> and then fight Kylo at the end. And fight Kylo at the end. Right. But I mean, it's, I want to know more about. I know. You know. But, but I mean, that's the way it, it always was in a way. I mean, you know, like before the prequels or anything came out, all we had were those extended universe books. And boy, yeah. I. I read every one of those, so yeah, I, I, and I still do even the new continuity stuff. I read those books because I just want to fill in those gaps. Well, to to take this as a segue, in in, <laughs> in Star Wars, when the uh, when the Jedi uh, pass on, they become spirits. So let's talk about ghosts. <laughs> that was not bad. <laughs> I was thinking you were going to talk about Ghostbusters. Right? I mean, it's, it's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk about some experiences that you had. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, we know the ones you've had on the show. Um, but, yeah, uh, what about some experiences you've had while you were doing the Stanley stuff or any of that stuff? Any cool experiences that you can share? What's funny is I was uh, – like I said, fortunate enough to be at a place for so long that I got to a point where I was, I had such a list of experiences that I was able to sort of like pick favorite, favorite days of the week or favorite months of the year that I felt like something was more likely to happen. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, most of the people who ever went on, on a tour with us probably don't like to hear this, but it's, but it's the truth that oftentimes, sometimes they would just come out when I was locking up in the middle of the night, you know, it, it, yeah, it was like, Oh, sure. you sort of be, you, you gain a rapport yeah. um, with these friends and there's this weird, like investigator guilt um, that would set in sometimes where it's like, basically at the Stanley, I'm going to this place and I'm, and I'm asking them to sort of jump through hoops and do right. tricks like a, like a circus act. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I'm like, okay, same time tomorrow you know and you just <laughs> you start to feel kind of kind of weirdly bad about it and so we, we got even even kinder even like we're just we're going to treat them as our friends like let's 
be interesting right. so that they want to hang out with us. And I think that's what I'd always tried to stress with people is like, I think that people sort of get into this like game mode. Like I'm here at this haunted location. I got to be super serious. Like this is my chance. I'm going to be like Zach Baggins or something. And it's like, well, I, I, if, if you believe that ghosts are invisible people, then sit around and have an interesting welcoming conversation with the other people that you're there with. And then they'll want to join you. And, and so oftentimes we would sit around and, and I mean, honestly in those some of those moments we had audible voices from nowhere um some of the a lot of female giggling especially down a particular mm. hallway um we had doors slam shuts i've seen flashlights leap up into the air um and then i was also able to hear there's this famous hallway at the stanley hotel where where people would hear children running up and down uh the hallway in the middle of the night up on the fourth floor and I was able to hear that myself one night, just a little boy and girl um, giggling, going up and down the hallway. Most of my experiences have been audible and that gets into a whole other realm of, of paranormal yeah, yeah. theory. Mm -hmm. But um, there have been a couple of moments where, where yeah, suddenly you, you catch something. I've yet to be like, boom, there's a human apparition like right, right in front of me. Right, right. But you do it long enough and it's kind of like, oh, this, there's something to this and then in the residential investigations that I did with the team that I was a part of, I think uh, we counted in those years, I did like 65 like residential, like go to people's houses things. And out of all of those, I think I only had five that were like, hmm, there's like something here. Yeah. What's, uh, I was curious, we, we talked about once, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, the possibility that some um, uh, ghost encounters, let's say, are actually out-of-body experiences from people who are sleeping nearby. Yeah, or astral travel. Or astral or travel. Something along those lines. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, they're not necessarily, not every ghost is a ghost, per se. <laughs> not to, not exactly. to say that ghosts don't exist, but but just that there may be an, another reason for some of the experiences to exist. So. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, we, uh, you know, I always talk to with people just in a general sense about like what I consider to be the three kinds. There's like inhuman spirits. That's a little bit more, but that could also be animals. You know, right? If yeah. we saw the if we saw the ghost of a of an elk walk into this room right now, that would be an inhuman spirit. Mm -hmm. um, not just the bad stuff, scary stuff, but also the good <laughs> right. stuff. And 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 then uh, yeah, and then you have your of course your your residual spirits and and the most common thing that we ran into was was familial spirits and i think that that that's the case for for maybe you guys might agree it's a lot of like yeah. people who have experiences with people that they knew or you know like you're smelling grandpa's perfume yeah um uncle joey is is uh coming to you and and nodding his head at the same time that he was dying in hospice 100 miles away like there's so many stories like that get very powerful that you start to wonder about the way our, our human energy works. Um, and then, not to throw too much on the table too quickly, but a lot of experiences that I believe that we had and a lot of the, the ghosts that I believe that we came in contact with were actually, um, I think, brought on by the group themselves. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's possible to create ghosts with your mind. Oh yeah, um, we yeah. covered one of the phrases that Element, the, elemental spirit. Yep, elemental mm -hmm. spirit and it was group elemental. Group elemental. Yeah, yeah, where a group can essentially create, create. a spirit. Yeah. 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 Right. So, so if you focus on it, it's like the secret, right? Yeah, um, of course. You sit and focus on it long enough, maybe it's possible. So so uh, the perfect example I have in in a 30 second 
quick frame of that was, was this ghost named Lucy at the Stanley Hotel? I was told when I started there that there was a homeless woman who lived in the basement of the old concert hall who passed away because she froze to death one night. And after our years of searching there, we, we had experiences with Lucy. We would call upon a spirit named Lucy. She would respond. She liked music. She would giggle. Um, and that energy existed. But then as we started to, after being there for a few years, started to look more and more into it. We're like, where are the death records? Where are the, we wanted a picture of her. Where's right. the stories from people yeah. from the 70s? And we just couldn't find it. So I, I think that that story was just made up along the line at some point. But that doesn't mean that the experiences that we had with that energy weren't real. Exactly. And that happens with Waverly because there's a lot of, in my opinion, made up stories at Waverly. I mean, the fact that the one of the most haunted rooms is room 502 and our area code is 502, Mm. you know, kind of says things, but people are like, no, I've seen the nurse. I've seen her hang herself um, and things like that. And, and I'm with you. I'm like, you may have it. You may have manifested that because we still don't know a lot about everything you know what what are these things you know the, and, and they could be all of these things or none of these things you well know? it's like you know another theory that we've talked about on the show is that um there are in yourself you have two energies you have the energy that makes you you who you are and we have and you have the energy that is your physical form and mm-hmm. so when you die the energy that is your physical form uh, manifest itself as a residual haunting, whereas the energy that makes you who you are is that uh, familial or uh, intelligent haunting. Mm-hmm. And so both things are actually the same individual, but they react or behave in different ways because your physical form cannot behave differently than what it was ever supposed to do because you're in, your intelligent form is no longer present inside the host. That's cool. I like that. Uh, I like the splitting there. It's, it's, I don't know. There's a lot to it. And, and that's, and that's even some of the stuff that we hit on with Hellier and in, in more of an alien vibe with, with the hypnosis experiment. It's mm-hmm. like, well, it's oh, man, yeah. the, the classic vibe of like, well, it's all in your head. Well, just because it's in your head doesn't mean that something didn't put it there. Right. True. We talked to Andrea Perrin um, from the Perrin mm. family haunting. She's a friend of ours. And um, we actually talked like very little about ghosts and talked a lot about aliens. She's writing a book right now on UFOs. But one of the things that's what she talked about. She said that, you know, most experiences, abductee experiences, in her opinion, are of the mind. That mm. that is how they use that to show you things. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's all in your head. It could also be taking that second set of energy and taking yeah. you places or things like that. But it explains things like how Woody Derenberger thought that he went to Venus, right. right? He saw what he thought was, you know, what they, and they may have used that kind of idea that he saw in movies and things like that to make him feel comfortable. If, 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 if the, if Indrid and all those things are, are true, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that to me is how I can explain if all those things happened, how I can explain Venus. Cause that was the one, when I read the book, that was the one I was like, okay, well, we know Venus is well, obviously this didn't happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that may be why using Andrea's theory, this, you know, not hallucination, but just that, that just, using your mind as a way to your, project things your stuff. body doesn't mm. leave your mind leaves. that's interesting so, i yeah, mean you could like you could get travel, i guess yeah yeah it is you could get even more specific with that too if it's all in the mind it's like well i think it was tenny who who told me this one time he's like does it really make sense for grace to be here like i'm, I'm not sure even from a physics standpoint gravity wise you know could they exist they've got these tiny little necks and these huge heads um are they actually here 
are they actually beaming us through our windows physically <laughs> right. or, and, and then up into their ship or uh, or is it just something that they're doing all within our insides yeah who it's knows a, there's so <laughs> many theories yeah. on the great unsettling <laughs> yeah well and it, you know or, or are they uh, are they even gray are they just projecting that image because that's what <laughs> media tells us that's what they should look like or though does it fit that shaver idea you know that they are these darrows or taros that live underground and that that's why they're gray because they've had no sunlight and their eyes are so big and black because that's what it's evolved right. into being in the dark and and things like that who knows who knows maybe gravity's less underground I don't know <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well as Jules Verne he knows the most yeah <laughs> but what yeah. to talk talk about that yeah that's one of the things that i loved about hellier um being a kentucky resident was this idea of how interconnected this cave system is um you know that there's so much that we don't know um because there's i mean what they say like 10 percent of the caves in kentucky have been found or something like that um because we did a couple episodes in a row we did one uh right after hellier we did the clawed beast of the ohio and the loveland frogs now, nice. the Kelly Hopkinsville experience, the Loveland Frogs, and the Claude Beast of the Ohio happened within the same year. And Kelly is directly south from where the Claude Beast happened, right on the Ohio. Well, and, and the Claude Beast and Kelly actually happened on the same day. Yeah, it was the same day. <laughs> so, and here's this beast that's gray, you know, that very much resembles in a lot of ways the goblins. <laughs> Yet it, it was swimming, and, and, you know, they found that on the little girl that the mud that she had on her was only found inside cave Underwater systems. Underwater cave systems. So then we're like, or, man, are they, uh, can they swim? Are they, yeah. are they going through these underwater cave systems? Is to, it merman? You know? Right. <laughs> you know, which gets mm-hmm. into Alan Greenfield talking about, you know, what the um, the fish people, the Dogons or whatever yeah. they are, <laughs> things like that, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. but it's just all, it's all, you know, it's just a coincidence that here, you know, like we said, Claude Beast of the Ohio and yeah. Kelly incident happening the exact same day, similar instances, and they're like what thirty miles apart. As the crow files, as yeah, the, as the crow flies, thirty miles apart. So. It's interesting that you take that shift conversationally because it's the same. I think it's the same thing for anybody who's who's listening, who's interested in this. It's like half the time you're kind of like, well, man, what a crazy mental trip, and then the other half of the time you're like. No, there's there's probably some monsters underneath our feet right now, and, <laughs> and when you guys were talking, I don't know where I sit half the yeah, time. I'm like, these yeah. things could be traveling all through Kentucky and get over to Hellier, and then right. head on, swim on back, and walk on down to Somerset through these caves. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, you immediately crazy. you think of Gollum, you know, but they you would, think of a you think they, of a town. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah a whole they, town. they could they could absolutely get around if they know that system better than better than we're able to, and and. uh you know that's that's one of the things with David, uh, the the original man who sent those those emails that sort mm-hmm. of spurred the whole case is well what uh, this experience seems so real and and his his prose I mean those yeah. those emails are a are a work of art and I read through them sometimes and I think that there are a few moments in Hellier that really gave me chills and uh, that was one of the big moments was actually sitting at Greg's computer going through looking at his inbox with him and just seeing the david emails there yeah. not as a sort of theatrically presented thing sure but like looking up david christie in his gmail and like boop, like that's yeah here's my contact i had with this man and you just read through and you're like this is insane and and then you think about his you think about his kids and you're like is there 
I mean, sometimes I'll just be sitting there not even thinking about it at all. And then, you know, just sitting there playing PlayStation or eating dinner or something and then just pops in my mind and I just kind of go off. And it's like, is there like a girl in like fifth grade right now that had these ins- insane experiences? Yeah. And I mean, Well, and so many people, I mean, growing up in Kentucky, you always hear stories from people, like especially when we went to college because we meet a lot more of those Eastern Kentucky people and stuff like that, mm-hmm. of just things that happened to them when they were kids, when they were in yeah. the mountains and things they saw. I mean, there's a, there's a town out there that a friend of mine showed me, the, the guy that lived in Hueysville, he took me for a drive and we went deep into the mountains and then we cupped over the top and came down and there was this tiny valley and there was this old mining town in there from the 60s he said it lasted two months before it dried up it dried up so quick and they got out of there and it was a dirt road to get there he said most people don't even know this exists it's like none of the windows were broken still had like the old pepsi and coke signs everything preserved and then like the 1960s and he was just like him and his his cousins and stuff used to play in there and he just has stories of stuff and it's like just like you said there's people out there including david christie's kids that could be older now and (laughs) yeah they had these experiences and yeah i mean we read those emails all the time the ones that we have access to and it's like it's so vivid i can see every every bit of them in the yard and yeah. I, I can see it i can see it yeah it's uh kept me and and now mil- a ton of other people out there up yeah at night and uh, well, uh well, and, <laughs> yeah and, I, and i'll tell you that the 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 reenactment if you will of of, of the reading of that email mm-hmm. really gives me chills uh, to watch the reenactment i mean it's it's <clears throat> i don't know if it's the I guess it's where he, where the, where the actor is, is peeking out the window and he's thing. Then it's that part of the story where he's like, they're running around in the yard and, you know, one's underneath the window. I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> ironic. Ironically, the guy who is that actor, quote unquote, that's the only reenactment in Hellier besides um, right. the, Amy, the Amy emails in season right. two. We just, we need something to put on screen for the emails. That guy's name is David in real life, which is funny. Ah. Um, Carl's friend, David. And, and, uh, my girlfriend is Amy, which is funny too. Uh, just sort of like blurred faces of like the side of her face and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and you're like, man, I'm really scared of Amy, but uh, good job. Uh, so it was, uh, yeah, that that series of emails, the very first thing that ever came out about Hellier was um, the very first teaser that was released after, and we had no idea it was going to spur into this monster that it has. But right. uh I think that the first words that David ever emailed him really sort of are still the thesis of the case. And the first words of the first David email are, uh, hello, my name is David. I got received your contact information through a mutual friend who assures me that you are well-equipped to handle peculiar problems. Right. And, that's, and then that's he dives into it. Yeah. Right. And you're like, why? Oh, Rick, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's got to keep him up at night too, man. It's just that wondering, like, why? Yeah. Why? Did I meet this person somewhere? Like, I mean, you know, and us or... running a podcast, you know, you can be sure we get weird emails from sure. time to time, and there's definitely been some doozies, but nothing, nothing like that. Like, I just, I can't imagine being the on the receiving end of that. Yeah, it no became it became very personal. I think in a lot of ways, it was it was very. I mean, I've seen it's, I think Hellier is a really interesting, entertaining trip for a lot of people, Um, but it's a very real documentary as well. Like I've seen Greg's become one of my best friends. I've seen him like 
cry. I've seen him like, mm-hmm. you know, anger, like get upset at things. I've seen it's, it is a very real case. Well, and it's interesting to watch your guys' evolution, you know, and even Tyler, of course, you know, coming in late to the game, just how mm-hmm. like ready and aggressive he was to just believe you guys yeah, and, to and just get into and it and dive into it. And that, that says a lot for, you know, who you guys are and what you do. And then just watching his evolution as well. It's just, it's very, very interesting. It's, it's, it's such a cool thing, man. Like I'm just very excited yeah <laughs> like and I said, um, be talking to you it's cool <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure that i'm sure that uh everybody uh once it you know once season one aired and then later season two aired um i'm sure that you had people out of the woodwork offering their theories and ideas i know i was one of those people <laughs> that's all right who emailed offering theories and ideas and trying to help in any way shape i can but yeah it's but an I, open source but, but it's like, when's the last time something got you like that? yeah that spurred, you know? that spurred, I mean, that's, that spurred that's, that kind of response exactly yeah. Uh, spurred that kind of engagement people posting things on twitter and instagram and facebook and i mean there's a there's a hellier fan base group that we're a part of on facebook that alan greenfield turned us on to um they post all kinds of uh, theory well i'd say it's like 75 percent mylar balloon pictures and 25 <laughs> percent theories but still yeah. um uh but yeah i mean it, it's just uh it, it really is a um a phenomenon into itself uh, the documentary yeah. is, and I, and like, well, like it's cool. Cause you guys, it, you know, I said this about the Esta session and stuff too, but it's like, you've inspired things. Um, and you know, like one of the things we did, uh, and this will just me be blowing sunshine up your ass, but I know he doesn't <laughs> like that. Um, but like when we went to point pleasant, we went to the domes, the, uh, we loved how echoey and, and, uh, things like that was. And so the three of us are kind of musically inclined and stuff like that. So we recorded a bunch of like chants and like just, improvising cool. harmonies and things like that well we decided to of course take the the three pan notes mm-hmm. and um what we did with that was we did a round and so you know when i would sing the first note santosh is singing the second note josh is singing the third and then i'm singing the second and it shifts and so it was this constant bam of this harmony it was really really cool and that was inspired by you guys, you know, like yeah. we, we use those notes a lot. And, um, but yeah, we, so we're releasing dome chants. It comes out September 14th, <laughs> nice. um, but we did. Yeah. We had so much fun and I'm pagan too. And so we did a couple like, um, goddess chants and some things like that and, um, did some fun, like lanulose injured cold chants and just <laughs> dumb stuff. But then there's some really beautiful stuff. And, but that, that, uh, those three notes together were one of my favorite things we did because we worked on that. That's the only one we didn't really improvise. We really worked, worked on, on for a putting minute, that together, yeah. putting it that's together. Cool. But that, that just, that's what I'm saying. It's like you inspire, you guys inspired people, including us on more than just that paranormal level, like yeah. creativity, you know, it, it helped us shape how we wanted to present our podcast. You know, it's like, we want mm-hmm. to, you know, move things and make it cleaner and sharper you know the way carl puts things together and it's like we admire that and um that's the kind of stuff that we look for is now you guys set the bar yeah too well, in you. my opinion so yeah I, i've actually i've actually turned off a several uh amazon documentaries oh, yeah because i just <laughs> i'm like, like you guys no it's nope. not it's not a, <laughs> i can't no no <laughs> no it's uh it's a good way to put out a project, but there's a there's a lot of projects on there. That's for sure. Yes, yeah. and, but it's so, it's amazing yeah, it, when it's, it's um, done well. Yeah, thank you, thank you. It's it's um important to, it was important to us to not have any fingers in it except for ours, 
Um, so it was like, we need to find a format to put it out uh, that we can do, you know, just ourselves. So, so releasing it on Amazon and on YouTube made the most, makes the most sense, you know? Yep. Um, if, if, a, if a Netflix CEO is listening to this, then, hey, call us up, man. <laughs> right. We're, we're ready. But, <laughs> we're ready but, now. <laughs> uh, I know. <laughs> I, if you want to get me out of the Capitol. But that's <laughs> that's the main thing. It's like we, yeah, you're, like you said, having control over the way you mm-hmm. present your project. And that, well, that's super important, especially in this day and age. I mean, we, we, we've talked before about, um, you know, some of the shows that air on some of the larger networks, like history and things like that, tend mm-hmm. to um, leave things hanging for the purposes of spurring the next season. But sure. if that next season doesn't happen, then you're like, you're left out. You don't know what's, Oh, yeah, you know. so many. God, <laughs> we just had Jeff Mudgett, the great-great-grandson of H.H. H. Holmes on, and he was talking cool. to us about uh, American Ripper, which is a great show. But they canceled it at the end, you know, and we don't really get to find out, you know, things, and we want to know. Luckily, we got to talk to Jeff, and so we know <laughs> where, where, where he's at. <laughs> right. But, like, you know, most of America is left hanging. And it's interesting with history, because we talked about this, too. If you know the story of the UFO hunters, guys, there's a lot of talk that when history gets close to finding real stuff, they get canceled. And it's hmm. to be a thing. And the UFO hunter guy, the main old guy, can't think of his name all of a sudden, but that's one he talked about. He said that last episode that they had that never aired was was massive. And it came down from the top that all of a sudden they were canceled. And hmm. Jeff kind of said the same thing, that they had really gotten close to something using that History Channel money. Yep. And then all of a sudden the word out of the blue came from the top that – they couldn't get that money anymore and it's the same thing they said that they had spoke to uh rama Emanuel uh, and stuff the mayor of chicago to do some things well jeff met him years later and he was like uh yeah no that never happened you know just mm. it's, it's interesting it just mm. makes you wonder that's why i love when a creator does get to keep their control yeah yeah no <laughs> it's important it's important it's yeah that's funny it's a lot of paranormal shows and and I'm, uh, you know, I consume some of them as well. I have some mm-hmm. I really like. Some I'm like, what's going on? But, but the, <laughs> yeah. the big thing, and and I think that a lot of networks just like woke up in like early 2019 and were like, we should have 17 paranormal shows. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just like, I know. Wow. And and there's so much going on. And but uh, it's good though because you know, it means it's fault. good business for us, right? <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's good. It gives a lot of stories to tell. But it's not. <laughs> And it's rarely the fault of like, like you said, like a lot of the the quote unquote talent on those shows. It's like it, you, if you don't have creative control over the way it's presented. But also the other thing is, uh, a lot of that is, and I'm and I'm speaking of of the lower tier of paranormal shows. There's some I really really do enjoy and and, oh, and, and respect. Too, yeah. But a lot of it is like uh, giving to the lowest common denominator of an audience viewer, and you can tell even from the presenters that it's been kind of like. We need to simplify this. We need to do this. We need to right. so so it is rare to find some content that you're like, as a paranormal consumer, hmm, this is this is interesting. And you know, and, and it also helps keep your ego in check because you're like, well, out of the entire population of America, maybe there's only, you know, seven percent of people who are interested in consuming paranormal content right. who are open minded enough to consider looking into the strange. Mm-hmm. Um and most of those people, you know, get a lot of their content, you know, from ghost adventures. And yeah. it's like, well, that's, that's just the yeah. way the numbers are right now. Yeah. Where does that shift happen? 
I think a lot of it's happening within the community right now. I think that's a beautiful thing. I agree. You know, more and more paranormal groups and stuff that we we interview and some things like that, we definitely are starting to see a shift to those that are trying to um, document and put out there mm-hmm. this this want to make it as real uh, and legit as possible. Because you know, you do you hear now things throughout the years about ghost hunters and ghost adventures. You know, but I get it. I'm like, they have to get ratings. If right. they don't get those ratings, they get canceled. canceled. And that's TV. Reality TV has never been fully real. You know. And it, it sucks because that's the way of the world. And it, well, it, it sucks they felt pressured to have to do that. Well, and, and I also think it, it paints an unrealistic picture because a lot of those shows, every show, they catch something. But we know that's not true, mm-hmm. right? You don't, not every investigation do you catch something. So um, that's why I also like, I like Hellier because it, it shows that some ends are just that they're just ends, and we <laughs> well, have to backtrack and try ends. again it reminds me of whose line is it anyways as an improviser we know as improvisers we're like there's no way that every single game is that amazing every single time and then when you do some research you find out that they film about 50 games um for a studio audience and then they choose like the five or six best ones wow. that weren't um because That's especially because improv doesn't translate well onto screen because you sure. have to have that energy of the audience. So you really have to find gems. And so that's what they do. Yeah, they record 50. I think, I think uh, I don't know about the new one, but the, the one with Drew Carey, I know it was 50. Yeah. And I know the British one was around 50 as well, that that's what they would film was around 50 and they would choose five. Wow. <laughs> because it's that so, same thing. It's like, but it makes ooh. you think that God, everyone is amazing. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. So Colin Mockery really isn't that hilarious. Huh? Yeah, no, no, he's not. No, I've seen him okay. live. He's pretty hilarious. Okay, good. good. <laughs> he really is. No, and they're all funny, and that's the thing. Like improv, you know, I do improv, and uh, I feel like most of the shows are great, especially if you have a talented cast that follow the rules and things like that. Mm-hmm. But even then, some are better than others. You know what I mean? And it's like those are the ones that get out there. So it doesn't necessarily mean that Colin's not funny because he is. <laughs> good. good. That's cool. That's cool. I think Tyler could be a good improviser. He's got the energy oh, for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be he there would be a lot more talking than in most shows, that's for sure. <laughs> that's that's okay. me, man. Before that's I part found of his out charm. I had ADHD, I was bouncing off the walls. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's fine. Oh, the brilliance of uh editing his presentation. But the honestly it was trumped by the uh Carl's brilliance in editing the the Greenfield interview down from like seven and a half hours down to that one. Oh, we saw we that. Talk about because we we're always looking at the clock. <laughs> clock. The we're clock. Always, and we yeah. we talked to Alan about it too. Yeah, uh, we talked about that. But yeah, and and that is that's that's what happened. You gotta you gotta find pieces and things like that. But you need that whole. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole thing. I mean, even with Alan, we ended up having to do two episodes because we just, you know, because yeah, he's we a talker. recorded so much. <laughs> yep. you know, it also makes me wonder because I know with our stuff, we didn't edit that much out and we got a lot of good information. So I'm sure what you all uh, showed of your different interviews versus what you actually got out of it to further your own opinions of the investigation is probably mm-hmm. a little different. A little bit. It's, it's in the event of like wanting to have basically total transparency we were kind of scared honestly putting putting out the second half of season two um from like the amy emails on because we had i don't know it's it's a double-edged sword on one hand we're sort of like documentarian slash like investigative journalist types but on the other hand it's more like 
um, we want to be paranormal investigators. And it's honestly difficult to not keep some things to yourself sometimes. But the reality is, is that we want this to be an open source paranormal case. And we're not like selfish or egotistical enough to be like, we're the ones who are going to find the answers. So it was right. a lot of like, mm -hmm. we want as many people to be involved. So we really didn't really didn't hold anything back. There's a couple of very small things, but that's just in case like, yeah, er, like Terry walks up and shakes Greg's hand like it, he needs exactly. he needs to know some stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because you know you, you, yeah, I completely understand that um, that idea that, you know, you guys were transparent and that's what's so cool about it because it it does allow other people to help, um, mm -hmm. and and do things like that. But yeah, that not only do you have to deal with being the paranormal investigator too, you also have to know because. It's like okay we're about to jump down a rabbit hole are people gonna think we're nuts now or because you can't yeah. which is my little bit of a segue because uh, like i said you know you're one of our favorite parts of the show um because we love numbers we love things like that and we loved your um obsessions Evalu not the right word yeah. but you evaluation. know your evaluation evaluation yeah. <laughs> and the numbers and that's what we, we talked to alan you know for quite a bit about it as well and um you know we have we of course have gotten into that obsession as well and see yeah. numbers everywhere and <laughs> as yeah. well and i've i've actually went down to the point of um in one of the wrist emails he says use the number and then there's an s hanging off the end you know the number s mm -hmm. so i I took that number S and looked it up in a cipher and it's equal to five. And I created a whole new cipher, <laughs> a whole new cipher based off hey, of the number five. Technically that cipher is uh, cipher six. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so what is cipher five? Hey, I, 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 yeah, like, like you, same thing. I applied cipher five to all that. And I, I got some instructions from Greenfield about how to use the cipher, how yeah. he used the yeah. cipher. I, I take it a little bit more, a little bit more narrow-minded i think intentionally than a lot of other people do um yeah i don't want to interrupt your question or anything like that i'll just ramble no on the, the no, no we that's, that's all too. we were just <laughs> we we're just rambling that yeah i've spent uh, i actually woke up uh one morning at like two o'clock in the morning and uh, couldn't go back to sleep and spent probably four or five hours before work uh <laughs> working on <laughs> cypher stuff so you're in it you're in oh it. yeah deep, dude deep, deep, <laughs> so. keep we keep that uh, website that Alan's got like yep. on yeah. on the homepage of and, my phone. And like, I even found the uh, the advanced uh, the advanced side of it with the lexicon where you could bump it up against other books. Which we've yeah. even emailed them, being like, "Hey, can you go ahead and add this book? <laughs> can you add the Oxford, awesome. Oxford Dictionary into there? That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. One yeah, of the I to ask you about the numbers and stuff, like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, how how is are you still digging deep into those or? The numbers are uh, instructions and directions, which always uh, I think is something that is still uh, a continuing work, but also something that I'm like, what? Uh, so if if you accept that um, we might have figured out what the numbers are mm -hmm. and what Terry meant by giving those series of numbers uh, in the email. This, this interview is going to be incredibly confusing if somebody hasn't seen Hellier all the way through the end. But, <laughs> but if we accept that that's, that that's what, what his instructions were, then what was, what was he meaning by use the numbers? Right. Um, what are we supposed to do with that information? And, and so, you know, I, have, I still have them in my mind. I still have them pretty well memorized. But the thing is, I don't know un, until 
in a sense, I think I'm sort of selfishly waiting for, un, like I wait for roads to go down um, because I found myself in the process of deciphering the numbers and doing a little bit more of that because I'm not really into the occult, but maybe that's why that's what made me like a better person to sort mm. of try to decipher them as somebody who's like, I'm just kind of like non-biased going to go yeah, in here and like see what's up. Yeah. And so if you were going to apply it to a certain text, I think that there are other texts that the numbers could be applied to. But the problem is, is that if you're looking for cipher values, it's sort of like stabbing a spear into a yeah. dark pond. Yep. Um, it's the same issue that I ran into with the spirit box <laughs> where you can sort of create the story that you want to create. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what is he giving us off of this specific set of numbers? I have a couple of theories, but it's a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure yet. So I guess that's a yes and a no. That's, that's yeah, a, no, yeah. it's, I, it's I mean, frustrating. I get, I get a little OCD with them. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just basically says we're at the same point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, how you just answer that is how we feel. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, I, and I've gone, I've, I'm, I'm actually, now that we're talking about it, I probably got to spend time tonight working on <laughs> <laughs> It's been a minute. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't thought about it in a while. So I'll probably pull up that spreadsheet that I have that I've, mm -hmm. you know, put everything together. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it is, um, I even uh, have done numerous um, uh, internet searches trying to figure out what book uh, that uh, that that picture is a part of, right? You know what? Like I've done keyword searches trying to figure out what book that is. That, that do you do you want to do you know what book? Do you I haven't know what found book? it yet. Yes, <laughs> please tell me. Huna. <laughs> That's uh, it's uh, oh it's God. a book about um, Hawaiian spirituality. Yeah, we know. You, let you, me you. let me just tell you. <laughs> here's our synchronicity oh for the day. You remember how we just said that um, that psychic lubrication was the word we got close to. Well, let me tell you the word we picked here. It's five oh seven. Yep, I know. Okay. Uh, right here was psychic shock articles, uh, and the first definition is from Huna. And it goes into about how the uh, Hunas charge their fighting sticks and stuff like that. And we had never heard the term Huna before. And now here you are mentioning it. Yeah. <laughs> We've already started researching Hunas. And then you it's mentioned funny. it. Yeah, it's crazy. That's funny. That's so So crazy. you break down that picture a little bit. I'll have to, where's Carl at? Let me ask him. Yeah, Huna is the book. Let me, so if, if we're looking at the entirety of that image, there are a couple of things to keep in mind. It appears as though he wrote those numbers, he hand wrote the numbers on the back of a piece of paper or a picture or something like that, because it looks like it's almost glossy like picture. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he placed it down on top of a book and then took the book <laughs> and took a picture of it there. Now, here's the other weird thing that we know about that, and that's something that's not in the show, is we actually looked at a lot of the EXIF data of the pictures of that not only Terry sent, but that David sent as well. Mm -hmm. um, and people send us emails about this all the time, too. They're like, well, why didn't you look at the EXIF data? It's like, well, we did. It just wasn't, just wasn't interesting. Um, <laughs> right. we, that, that, that image was also Photoshopped. That image was cropped from something else. And I don't, I want to know what the rest of the image is, but right. I'm also like, what, uh, A, what took you a week to get to this? Um, I have something for you one week was the yeah. first email. Mm -hmm. And then the second email was the numbers with the code about injured cold still being here on earth. So that was, that was intriguing. 
about the exit data for the for the Terry image. For the David image, it showed us the exact camera that he used. We know um, it was a little like I believe an old uh, I think it was a Sony like point and shoot. Um, and of course, it's not a smartphone, so it didn't have GPS capability yeah. in. Uh, but it's exactly the kind of camera you'd expect a 50, 60 year old guy um, in Hellier, Kentucky to use. And, and it, what is cool about it is that it showed that the, that the times matched up, that the days and the times matched up. So we know what camera he used. We know that um, he was actually not using a flash, which was cool, especially given that one of the goblins quote unquote almost appears to be bioluminescent right. or glowing right. um, off of something but also it shows us that he it's it's weird because he was taking the pictures in the time of the email that he said he was taking the pictures so if that if David was a hoax whoever did that literally went out at 2 4 30 5 30 a.m. And, and took and some took of those pictures. images that's yeah. you know there's something to that that's that's intriguing too yeah yeah, I mean, it kind of gets back to uh, we recently did an episode about uh, John Teeter. Uh, I don't know if you know the name John Teeter. He was like a time traveler guy that posted on the message board back in the 2000s. Vaguely. Okay. Check it out. It's, yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's, a, it's its own rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a cool. That's cool. Hole, but you'll kind of go, okay, this could happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well that's, that's what I was going to say. So uh, the amount of detail that he produced as a part of those posts on those message boards really gives credence to his story. I mean, he produced an owner's manual for his time machine. Uh, he produced mm. a patch that he had on his uh, uniform. Uh, so, I mean, it's just the amount of effort that somebody would put into that for it to be a hoax. To make, no, a to make no money yeah. off of. Yeah, to make yeah nothing out of it to not come forward and claim to be that guy or any of that kind of stuff so yeah. where did he where did he post this i'm just curious. Uh, if you i don't remember the, actually all of his posts are still up on the website they've preserved cool. his account but That's if you cool. just if you just google john teeter it's t-i-t-o-r okay um but yeah it, we actually did a two-part episode on it a couple of weeks back we were only going to do one but there was so much there and we so still much. didn't even scratch yeah. the surface i like, mean i had yeah. i had i had probably uh i don't know about 150 pages in word and we got through maybe 25 of them in a two-part episode. In a two-parter, because it's crazy. That's cool. So, um, that's very cool. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, we'll have to definitely look into the to the book. And, and it's interesting. And that's where I was going when I looked at that picture um, of the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I got into was it looked like it was written on the back of a, like a photograph that had been printed in a store. Um, the SLUF, uh, the, the, the term on the back, actually – looked into that a little bit too and it it's actually re- referencing a fighter jet that was used in vietnam war um so it made me think you know is, you know is terry a vietnam vet and did you know is that a picture of a of a of the aircraft that that is referencing and he just happened to pick that thing off of a shelf and write those numbers onto it so it's just mm-hmm. it's very um uh, well and then just talking to alan greenfield of how how he met terry, terry yeah. in that very liberal extremist party right because oh, <laughs> because man terry seems so right wing right like it's mm-hmm. it was just crazy to find out but i mean different time back then as different well, times so. different yeah yeah but it's but confusing yeah. there seems to be on some days you're like oh man this guy's had a kind of crazy past and then some days they're like well this seems like different people um 
I obviously don't know currently what the answer is. The thing is, yeah. it's like, yeah, is, is he a Vietnam vet? Is he, you know, if we if we get into Vaughn's version of Terry and, and the man that he met, the man that we interviewed in Hellier Season 2, that's... Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the Greenfield Terry. Um, then there's the Terry that David knew. Yeah. It's all, it's all so interesting, man. Like, yeah. I mean, even Alan, like, you know, like, cause we, I mean, we, we threw the pressure down on Alan and, uh, you know, cause you know, cause you, he's such a trickster. Somebody has to. He's such a Loki man that you're like, are you throwing shit to the wind, man? You, you know? And I've gone back and I found a bunch of his old flying saucer magazines that, um, he yeah. used to wrote the UFO site or found those on archive. And, uh, so I've been reading through those and just seeing old Alan Greenfield from the sixties as well. It's, it, you know, just talk about all those different things like Terry. I mean, just to see mm-hmm. how Alan's changed since that time period, how much he's has so Terry goofy. changed? Right. <laughs> yeah. he's, right. A, he's a goober. And that's what we, that's what we clicked on. Like, Cause we're yeah, all goobers, we're goobs so yeah. too. He, um, yeah. You look at it and it's like, we, I mean, the only impression that I had of him before we interviewed that like Craig was telling us about was I think he appeared on like Brad Meltzer's Decoded or something like yes, five years ago. Slicked hair back. Yeah, and he, he looks so scary. <laughs> and we're like, and I was just ready to, I was so nervous to like, you know, we, we went down, we drove to Atlanta to like yeah. meet with this guy. And uh, <laughs> I'm like trying to find a hotel room that like, kind of looked interesting like had like a couch or something to like shoot in and i was like we're just gonna go pick him up and take him to our room and 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 interview him for all night and it was i was scared about that you know greg was nervous too and after we dropped him off we were like what in the world just happened we took him out to eat before we talked with him (laughs) and that was a weird dinner to just sit across alan greenfield at this indian restaurant in atlanta and then uh we always joke we joked after we dropped him off at his back at his place at like 5 a.m. We were like, Greg, did you, did you pick up the wrong guy in the lobby? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not the Greenfield I thought yeah. I was going to meet. Even after seeing him on your guys' show, I was still so nervous. I mean, you remember, I, yeah. as an improviser and actor and things, I, I don't get much stage fright anymore. But man, when it was coming to him, I was so like nervous because I just didn't know because I felt like, oh my God, he's got all these secret OTO secrets and, yeah. and all this stuff. And then he's just a goob, just like we were. We laughed so hard. I had to edit out just an hour of laughing. Like, <laughs> It's just so much fun, man. That's he's good. Such, he had fun. That's he's, yeah. Oh yeah. He and he, he's just a blast, man. It's very interesting. And and again, there, that's another thing that you did for us. I mean, you guys helped us, you know, develop a really cool friendship with a crazy knowledgeable guy of stuff yeah. that uh, you know, because I've been into the occult and things like that throughout the years, and yeah, um, yeah. just some of the things he talked to us. So cool. Just a really really cool thing, man. Mm-hmm. And I would have never even thought about like never would have met this guy had it not sure. been for you guys' show. Yeah. So. yeah. Like secret cipher of the Uvanots. It's a it's a beautiful thing. It is. It is. It is. It is very much. I've read the hell out of that. <laughs> There's something. There might be something to it. Yep. And he's happy to have his book on sale again. <laughs> Seriously, I know. Yeah, the complete cipher, man. It's it's it's. Uh, I actually enjoyed the uh, the second half more. The the which men was in black the uh, minute black one. Yeah. Yeah. Really got There's into that one. That other email or that other interview with Terry that a lot of people I don't think necessarily read. Yeah, yeah, it was in that, super, in that interesting. super interesting. Yeah, that second one. Well, and that's what you know. One of the we were kind of spitballing the other day, and um, one of the things I said is, you know, Terry talks about going into an alien cave base and, and killing these uh, these aliens in there, who who basically appear to not fight back. 
Um, you know, oh, they, Terry's just that badass. You know, they're just they're, they're trying to catch him yeah. with a net. You know, I mean, <laughs> I know. So, well, Terry's so, not going like, to share the lame stories. It just right. felt like Gargamel catching Smurfs. As well. Yeah, yeah. But but you know, yeah. so and then you tell you then you look at the shaver uh, the shaver counter, and you know, he talks about how the the taros um, are 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 more uh, elevated, let's say. And the and the Darrows are like out to to do to do harm, and so in the back of my mind the other day I'm thinking, what if Terry is a Darrow because he's in there killing Tarros? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I haven't thought of that before actually. <laughs> so you know, and I said Tarot wrist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Tarot wrist. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler's just sitting there, just like he doesn't even have a he doesn't even have a laptop he just sits on his phone and like figures all this stuff out so he's just like sitting on his cell phone (laughs) Uh that's why i've always called him crazy mcgee man crazy boy mcgee so every every friend group needs one i guess yeah dude that that, well and that's what it's saying it's like it's it's that you know that idea you guys are the archetypes that you guys fill all those archetypes you know and bringing tyler on fit that last little archetype you know now you just need to bring one of your dogs so you can get scooby in there too. Well, I was, <laughs> so true i was gonna that's say maybe brilliant. maybe tyler is scooby i don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. that's funny so, well uh connor i wanted to if if you don't mind um hit some of these questions that some of the people asked us uh to ask you um i've vetted all of them so they will not be asking about your underwear don't worry <laughs> <laughs> um, the first one that I got comes from Twitter. This comes from someone named Ghost Rugaroo, which I love the Rugaroos down in Louisiana. Uh, he says, uh, he or she, I guess, says, yeah. Connor's attitude toward the experiences in the show closely mirror how I think I would react in those situations. Mm-hmm. What would be his freak out moment that would make him consider leaving the investigation alone? So essentially, what, what is something that would happen that would cause you to leave? be done with it that's an interesting question i like that Uh, you know you look at the uh you kind of wonder how much crazier could this get um and you hear some of the honestly the whole thing with nate and somerset that was like that was a very real thing Mm -hmm. um where i was like we uh because in terms of the timeline of the show um the way that we planned out that whole somerset trip because it was it was September of 2019. So a month ago, as we're recording this, we basically spent the month together and and finished out the last three episodes trying to tell the story of this case. The thing is, is um, I really did, I was ready to kind of put down the case at that point for me, Um, simply because we, we, we also went to the cave that night. So like all of the stuff that's episode Mm -hmm. 10 was like three hours after we talked to Nate. Oh, wow. So it was like... That really gives it a different perspective. I'm, yeah, like I'm scared that we're going to run into the, these these cultists, mm-hmm. um, which is the classic mantra of like real people are, are the monsters. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And now that I, I sort of, I guess I'm quote unquote fortunate enough in the point that I like live in Colorado. So I'm like... <laughs> away from it physically yeah. right yeah. so like you guys are you guys are closer to it than i am but oh yeah when um, we got back from point pleasant we th- we were like men in black found right. us we all kept having there was noises on my phone noises. yeah uh, i guess if it um i don't think that i would ever now that i've sort of gotten through that um and now that 
we have so many I mean this I know that this I don't want mean it as an offensive term but I don't know what other term to use so many like crazy people in the inbox already sure it's kind of like well guys I don't I mean at, at a certain point you get a little bit used to kind of like brushing things off which I was a lot was which I wasn't used to yeah and um, a lot like the criminal investigations and stuff when they go public you know I listen mm-hmm. to a lot of true crime stuff and you know they talk about that when the tips come in they come in <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's just Sometimes it's some crazy people just yeah. wanting I, to talk. I would imagine that, uh, <laughs> that that Greg has probably gotten a lot of emails from Terry. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure. yeah, and a lot, a lot of, of Terry's out there. Yeah, so even Indrid, I'm sure has. Yeah, Indrid, I'm sure has probably <laughs> emailed a few times, and people have uh, sent. Yeah, <laughs> people have sent in. People have claimed to be relatives of Terry. People have found a. Um, people have emailed, yeah, like as Indrid, as these other individuals yeah. like that, they've they've sent him code words and names and things like that. And it's it's so hard to sift through that. It yeah, really sure. is because you don't want to lose something. Um, but uh, I guess to answer the question, until it comes down to a point of like physical danger, like yeah. I don't I don't think that I'm going to be uh you know that guy who who went down in the caves and was there you know and like i yeah caves are freaky but i'm willing to check it out safely and i'm willing to send in tyler with a gopro but i don't think that i i necessarily (laughs) when it comes to time to sort of like put put the case down for a little while it seems to wake back up um but there's also comfort in the event just like we don't have to tell this story if we don't want to you know um we could just be like, all right, I'm going to go do this now. And there's right. comfort in that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, well, we brought up Nathan. So it's interesting because the next question is, is mm-hmm. about Nathan. But it says, this comes from Marlena Shears from uh, Facebook. She says, my question is after the Somerset interview with Nathan, is there any story he can tell us that we didn't get to hear on the show? I know for personal and legal reasons, there are some things that probably can't be told. And that's okay if he can't talk about it. I just wanted to throw that out there and see if there was anything uh, special out there. Nathan, uh I don't want to uh, say anything that's going to be in his podcast of Penny Royal um, because he's releasing it in October. He's very excited about been working really hard on that. Um, but I will say, maybe I can think of one that's just really random that I don't think we, we had in there. Yeah, there because there were, <laughs> there were so many, we talked to him and it was like, Somerset's a crazy place. And, yes, and it is. <laughs> we, had to, we had to trim that, that episode down a little bit. Um, I remember one particular, I guess, to, just as a quick shout out to this, I remember a story in Somerset of a, of a Yeti looking individual crossing the road in front of like a car, I believe it was, stopped the car, this Yeti thing crosses the road, looks over, and then kind of is, is like a white hairy being and then mm-hmm. disappears into the other, mm-hmm. just foop, off into, into that void. And Nate, Nate talks about, because he talks about it in the show as well, sort of that uh, the term that I've come to really like, like interdimensional interlopers and stuff like that. Yeah, he, he's like so that good at telling stories like that, that it was just a blast to sit and interview him. Yeah. Kentucky and West Virginia. And a lot of times I'll consider them the same state sometimes, but it's yeah. like, there are so many cryptid and monster stories yeah. out here and Yeti sightings. I mean, I was just talking to um, Ken Gerhard, the Bigfoot expert. And we were talking about mm-hmm. that when we were in college in Campbellsville, Kentucky, 
I used to work in the library and I was digging through the archives of these old newspapers and I came across these newspapers that had two sightings uh, within like two weeks of each other, Yeti sightings in 1898 along Green River, you That's know, cool. and then Kentucky has um, a fascination. There's a number of these small towns that believe in the monkey cat and yeah. it's essentially a Sasquatch. I mean, and it's the like, monkey just, cat. yeah, just you talking about what you just said reminded me of so many stories of these monkey cats that I had heard um, when I was in college and things like that, that these, I mean, <laughs> this family that we went and visited they're crying and they're talking about the experiences they had with this monkey cat where it would jump on their the hood of their car i mean this whole family's crying six kids a mom and a dad they're just it, you talk about believing something yeah believe that Sheesh. You're like the Barbara Walters of these paranormal interviews. Oh, I love it. Well, because before all that stuff, I sought it out, you know, because I wanted to know the things that I saw growing up or felt or or all of those things. I wanted to find out what, that I wasn't alone. It was was never about proving it. It was about finding out I wasn't alone because that proved it to me. I like that. I like that. It it is. And, And that brings up, just as a quick aside, the whole importance of, names in the paranormal yeah it's until you start to be willing to accept other stories you don't realize that you may be looking at the same thing oftentimes like for example even with us like we're on a sense like perpetrators of it but also uh, like trying to help out the case because like david never calls them goblins goblins simply was kind of dubbed by more of that hopkinsville case and there's even some slight differences in the creature variations there too. But then like we're inundated, then all of a sudden everybody starts seeing goblins just because it's in the zeitgeist now. Right. But what other names are people giving these things <laughs> that we're not hearing about? What did we just come across? Uh, who was, was it Ken talking to us about the shorties? Or? Yeah, about the, uh, he, he, he called them uh, dwarf Sasquatch. Yeah, mm. so they're like or little foots. He, he little foots, yeah. But it, oh, I mean, like they that. were hairless and and things like no, that. They, they had hair. Oh, I thought he said they were hairless. No, they they had hair. They were just they were just three foot tall hominids. Basically. Oh yeah, but I mean, mm. so he talked about that that a lot of legends we, he's come across dealt with like small smaller creatures, especially yeah. in their caves and things like that. And you know, we're like this all comes together. I mean, <laughs> we jokingly said that the greys are bigfoot just you know the, some, oh that's why i remembered it that way some, some things that's are born that. hairless and then later you know get hair, so. <laughs> they're the lex luthers uh, <laughs> um, this is the first time i've ever considered it maybe the goblins are baby bigfoot that's right they haven't they haven't grown their hair yet yep, yep. they're just little feet gotta um, earn that hair they're little hobbits that's all that's all hobbit is is a baby sasquatch yeah um so uh another question that we got um we already talked about the first part so i'm just gonna read the second this come from winston sims on facebook as well is uh he's asking because he says with all the things that you've gotten into and things like that um do you think that now do you think where you're at that it's possible for things like werewolves or vampires or banshees to exist now that Mm. we're you know finding connections through other stuff i like that Mm -hmm. um i <laughs> I will say that I have my my mind has been wildly opened um as somebody who had a sort of narrow viewpoint at the beginning and like I said like I think a lot of people do it's like oh there's ghosts which are dead people and then suddenly you start to think 
well, what if there's more than just dead people ghosts? What if there's what if there's more than what if time doesn't make sense? What if there's loops? Yeah. What if what if there's and and that opens the world of ghosts? And then suddenly you're like, well, what if they're beings from the future? What if they look like aliens? And then you're like, oh, well, well now there's aliens. And then and then you, I have gone down that uh, that stringe of thought or whatever Same. you want to call it so so much now that, that yeah I, I think that i think that it's possible um but <laughs> i try and only focus on on the things that i know you know uh right. you don't well, necessarily want to be a jack of all trades right well even then i mean you get into vampires and werewolves and stuff you're looking at things from a certain culture or a literature point of yeah. view because mm-hmm. one of the things keel that i really like that john keel talks a lot about is he talks about how common the ufo um contactee sightings and stuff like that were comparing to the fairy sightings of england in the 1800s and how the fairies of then are really the ufos of today or was it vice versa right and uh that's what makes you you think about it it's like because then if you get into werewolves or vampires or stuff you know we have this idea of movies of what they should be but they could fall more along the lines of like some of these native american lore of of wendigos or washu guys or things like that right we we don't know because that and that's that's where you have to get to when you're investigating is, is sure. you've got to open your mind um, to possibilities that you wouldn't think of because well, it's those, not black have, and white. You have to shed off those preconceived ideas of what something is. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think that uh, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, th- I think that paranormal phenomena is, I guess, to give a to give a quick mental metaphor that might help answer the question or not. I, I think that yes, I'm open to it, but I think things like things like werewolves and vampires are a little bit old news. Yeah. In my opinion, I think that the paranormal and what is being cited is a little bit beyond us already. So, like, take like just UFO sightings for example. Like, yeah. the airship sightings began before airships before and airplanes right. exist, and then suddenly we, we had planes, and then they had even better planes. They had saucers, and then they right. had so like, I think the phenomena is is about 35 years ahead of us if i had we, to if yeah, i had we, to pick we've talked but, about that a lot too cause, yeah cause it makes Gil, you wonder Gil talks a lot a lot about that in operation trojan horse uh, right the, the you know he he, he <clears throat> i've actually I, I would love to get my hands on all of his original uh um research that he did for oh, that book um and there's actually a john keel fan page on facebook that with some people who have contact with the guy who who got most of the stuff from the estate and basically he just won't share it with anybody so, yeah. um but yeah i mean it's uh so much of what he uh the report i mean that book like the first probably 12 chapters of that book is just historical accounts of sightings um you know that's something that, that we talked about before if you could take all the bigfoot sightings and all the ufo sightings and all mm-hmm. the ghost sightings and you overlaid them over top of each other would mm-hmm. they start to paint a picture of certain parts of uh, of the world or the country or whatever where things happen more frequently. You know, John Keel refers to those things as windows, uh, which is interesting because, of course, Terry Riss talks about a door is closed but a window is open. So uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of similarities there in what's being discussed. So right, you can't figure out things like like the Wednesday phenomena potentially right. until you have enough data to do that. And that's, right. that's kind of the beauty of it too. And I hope that that gives people motivation to investigate further into this because even a null data point is a data point. Right. Um, don't be ashamed at all when you go out and you don't find something just mark down that 
when you went there on Tuesday and it was stormy, you didn't find anything. Yeah, right. You have what, to have what, both sets of data. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a there's a that's the investigator part. There's too often in the paranormal. There's too much paranormal, not enough investigator. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, one of the last questions I have comes from Alexa Furman. She kind of asks a similar question that's been asked before, but essentially I'll sum it up by saying is those times when things have gotten really heavy for you during this investigation of Hellier and things like that, what is it that causes you to push forward when things get hard or things get scary or things like that? What is it that makes you go, I need to keep going. This is important. Mm -hmm. It is. um, And I think that some listeners and and maybe you guys can, can relate to, to some of this as well. Um, You don't, it, it, you don't ever want to sit there and be like, I'm called to do this because I think that, <laughs> yeah. that that's a really like uh, a really egotistical way to look at this. For sure. But synchronicity and the way that it kind of works um, was a sense of like, uh, there is uh, a breadcrumb being laid out. And I think just being born uh, as, as well as anybody who's listening to this is as well, just by nature of, of being an audience member is, is of this, yeah. is that you have this insatiable curiosity and, and you just want to know. Yeah. And so you keep following as much as your curiosity can take you. Mm-hmm. But Tenny said some beautiful words um, at the end of, of season one, where he's like, you have to keep yourself. Um, and so I have, I have my faith. I'm, I'm Catholic. I have my ritualistic prayers that I say, I, I, I'm like, this is what I'm the energy that I'm going to keep close to me. And I'm going to keep figuring it, like seeing what other bread comes in this highly strange case are laid out before us. So it's hard. Um, as soon as it gets into like physical threats, like I, I want to become more of an armchair person for that time. Right. And then let's go more in the field and then right. let's armchair. I think that you have to find the balance between it. And I think it's really important that you just sit back and r- read more about like something like sports or stocks or something, you know, there's like, <laughs> right. Don't yeah, go, separate don't go all from in. It, right. Yeah. Don't go all in. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there are definitely times when I have, um, been completely consumed uh by just looking at the phenomenon in general Mm -hmm. um and uh sometimes you get so deep into something uh that you can miss several clues that are just there for the taking and so it's nice to take a step back uh to to distance yourself like you said for a little while and then come at it again from a different angle. Yeah, because you yeah. start looking for certain answers that right. you miss the older answers that may lead to it. Yeah, yeah. and find uh, find people that you can talk about this with. You know, it's it's so like <laughs> we joke. It's like it should be an important thing on like a first date that you're like, <laughs> so I'm interested. And then and you have to have somebody in your life, a sibling a, that that you can like like you said like when you get that deep into it tell your findings to somebody else you need those fresh you need those fresh eyes that's what happened like i said our friend santosh we got him to watch it he lives in danville kentucky Mm -hmm. and uh we have a group chat where that's what we talk about is (laughs) 
the phenomena, the stuff with Hellier, any theories we have, just all of that just stuff. Where all these different streams are that's, taking us. That's our comfort zone for the three of us, you know, and, and yeah. he's been on the show a number of times because of all of that, to be honest. That's and that's cool. why we took him to Point Pleasant with yeah. us because he's that. And my wife is slowly getting into it. Josh's yeah. wife is slowly, slowly getting into it. <laughs> yeah, although, although to, to go back to, you know, the familiar haunt, uh, every time I say that I smell my uh, grandfather's cigarette smoke, she thinks I'm having a stroke. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, was this did he was this uh, cigarette smoke burnt toast? Because maybe. But <laughs> I'm always like, it's toast, cigarettes. Man. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine. And and hey, send uh, if something that you think is really groundbreaking, always be willing to send some screenshots, man. We're we'll give credit where it's due. Oh, we but like we do. We yeah. love we. I love how open source this uh, this inv- case I has do become. Too. I, I yeah. do too. Yeah. And, and I love that it. It's, you know, because it's not just us, you know, I'll say we're fanboys. So it's not two fanboys just digging yeah. together. The yeah. beauty of the internet allows us to talk to so many people and get their theories too. And then, you know, this podcast has given us an opportunity to talk to you and Alan and things like that. Um, yeah. Just on the the research and, and investigation sense of us, because we're, right. you know, big mystery solvers. So it's like, it's it's just, it has been one hell of a year for us. Like, that's all I got to say. And <laughs> no a lot of it started with Hellier and I love that. And it really is just my mind from just the threads that I've followed on my own that led to other things that have nothing to do with Hellier. Um, just have, I just love it. Yeah. Love and I'll say I, I need, so one thing I don't have that, that you have in me is that I don't have a numbers guy to bounce number stuff off. Yeah. Of. He's my numbers guy. So I'm like a I, theater person. So I, I hit him with all these number stuff and he's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm like, give me the end product. <laughs> give me the end product. Give me the end product. Give me that. I'll the, read the book for you, but give me the end product. <laughs> give him the cliff notes. Give him the end product. It, yeah. And if, if you have a group of people to do that with, that's, that's a pretty beautiful thing. You know, and, and my thing, I'm curious to see what kind of number stuff you're digging into. I think that my, my big takeaway with it is that the entire purpose of the numbers themselves was a lot of like, you use the numbers to find euphonauts to find aliens right and so i sort of had that means to an end and i think that some people that i see in comments some people that i see on on reddit when i when i lurk around there some people it's like they can craft a story using cipher cipher values oh yeah and so i'm sitting there and i'm like i'm not trying to tie Right. You know, this global pandemic into this through this. Oh, this. yeah. It's Boy, like the, those people that think that the pan ritual scary. started <laughs> because of pandemic. Oh I get it. I know. I and know. as an improviser, I make connections. That's what I do. And I'm like, no, I can't do this yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. So, yeah, I'm sitting there and I and uh, that's basically kind of the same thing on studies. Like you take, you know, uh, what he calls a class A text. But again, that's from his perspective. Um, I remember he told us that some people have used like, uh, like ancient Greek texts and had interesting things because that was something that was close to them. And that was, so it's like, Hey, if it's giving you guidance in your life, that's pretty cool. Personally, I'm using it to, to try and find aliens here on earth, um, via, via the Terry method. Um, We'll see where that leads, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. Yeah. Which, of course, 20,000 people hit me up with their question of, when the hell is season three coming out? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> everybody uh, yeah. is anxiously awaiting, of course. There's, uh, I think if the phenomena wants, wants one, we'll, we'll, uh, 
We'll see what happens. Yep. That's, and yeah, quarantine, the, quarantine the comp, for sure answer. stops everything. But I actually, that's, I mean, that's what quarantine was really good for me. I read 30 books since yeah. then. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> that's very good. Yeah. I'm slowly building my library. So, <laughs> so but Connor, we won't keep you too long, man. We'll get you that out of good. here. But we just wanted to say again, Thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure, man. Like yeah. I said, I, I, you know, a lot of people say this, but we mean this a lot. We really connected with you on the Thank show. You. So it's uh, really fantastic that you were essentially the first person we got to speak to because uh, it, you're the one that we felt close to home with. So yeah. well, no offense, guys. Carl, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we love it. Somewhere we, in his place. Thank you. We just, yeah. it's such a great, I love your attitude. I love your, you know, just your sense of emotional um, let go and things like that. I just absolutely in in the analytical approach you bring to things absolutely so i will i will do my yeah i do my best and i really appreciate that <laughs> sometimes it feels like it's not as uh as uh i don't know what the words go you know it's not as the sexiest of all of the ways to go about it yeah. but it's uh <laughs> it's a a method of trying to analyze large amounts of what's being thrown at you and i guess uh as i've told people there's continuously trying to figure out the art of compartmentalizing the the incompartmentalizable that, that there's something uh to this it's just a matter of figuring it out and you guys are part of it too so thank you yeah, for what yeah. you're doing and talking and with all these it's people it's great because people don't understand how vulnerable it makes you be to be able to be on this show and and show yourself in that way it's yeah. a vulnerability that in my opinion is very very courageous and uh much much respect is, well, thank is you from us to all of you guys, man. We absolutely yeah. uh, thank you so much. So, well, we will spread. Thank you. I'll spread the word out to the team. And uh, yeah, man, I appreciate uh, both of you. And I, I'm telling you right now, you opened a floodgate. Josh is going to send you numbers. <laughs> Do so. it, Josh. Come on. <laughs> I'm ready. I, uh, yeah, I'm ready. We'll see. Yeah, well, I got, I, I got a, I got a whole lot of theories on, uh, on Terry and how it relates to the numbers and what message she's trying to say. So, I don't know. How do you want to get it? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I'm a rambler, so I'll stop. But again, thank you, Connor, so much. And uh, like I said, hit us up anytime. And uh, we'd love to have you back on sometime, especially if you guys do get season three out and you want to, you know, push it, things like that. We'll help in every way we can. So we already spread the the news of Hellier. So it is is life. (laughs) It it is life changing and filled with psychic (laughs) lubricant. (laughs) That's your trigger word of the day. It is. It is now. Now I wish that's the one we had picked. Yeah, That's awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much, Connor. Have a good one. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. All right. Have a good night. Wow, what an interview. Thank you so much to Connor Randall uh, uh, from Hellier. And wow. I mean, I I really, um, I probably could have talked a lot longer. A lot longer. Uh, You know, I mean, just all these guys connected to this. I mean, Alan Greenfield, I mean, we talked to him forever. And uh, we could have absolutely done that (laughs) with Connor. And had a six-part episode. I feel like um, you know if this if his COVID stuff wasn't around, or maybe if it if it if things tend to get better next year or something, it'd be really cool to do um, like a like a Hellier conference, and then you could break off into teams and work on different parts of the case. Oh, I see that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really that'd interesting be really idea. cool. Yeah, because like, then you'd like pull people together with different points well, of I mean, view. That's, that's kind of how those cons and stuff will start sometimes. Yeah. You know, um, just that just fans that get together and do those things. Right. 
that's a really interesting idea. Really, but you like know, everybody, that. everybody, take a topic from the case and just mm-hmm. kind of break off and see what you can come yeah, up with. Go work. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Really cool idea. Um, most of you guys didn't know this, uh, but Carl was in the room as well. We did get to see his luscious beard. Yeah, we did. You I mean, guys there, didn't get to, but <laughs> yeah, it was um, at one point in time there were there were three bearded people. Uh, <laughs> me, Carl, and Connor. Connor, right? You know, yeah. Me, my with my with my baby fuzz. So <laughs> this man hasn't shaved in thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, it's like maybe twice a week. <laughs> twice. That's more. I mean, I I I don't like shaving because it it hurts my face. I have sensitive skin, so my, I shave about every two weeks. But I get thick too by then. So. Well, I mean, I I don't shave until my kid until my kids say that it hurts when I give them goodnight kisses. Aww, so. yeah. I get that. Anyways, way (laughs) off topic here. Uh, Again, thank you to Connor Randall. Thank you to the guys at Hellier. Uh, We love it. Everyone is anticipating season three for when it comes out down the road. If the cards cards deem it so, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. But even then, just like Connor was saying, uh, they're very open and transparent about where they are. Um, And if you follow Greg and you follow Dana and you follow all those guys on Twitter, they're always releasing anything that they come across bits of information and stuff like that. So it is, it is very fantastic for them to allow us all to become a part of it. And I, I think that's what, where the phenomenon comes from, you know, this, this worldwide, essentially, even though it's probably just the United States, but it's just this worldwide phenomenon that we all feel is that because we all get to feel a part of it, you know, and that, that to me is is what makes it great. I mean, just like improv, when we bring people up on stage or we do something like Dinner Detective where they yep. get to be a part and things like that, people love that. And that's what this does is it allows us to be a part. And it, it's good to hear that they do read those emails yep. and those messages. I mean, and it's great. We it's talk about it all great. the time about how this, you know, the paranormal community is just that a community. But this is probably the one of the first, um, right, we'll, we'll call it an event. Um, that really makes it feel like a close community. Yeah, be, well, because even paranormal groups and stuff like that can be competitive, and it almost feels like baseball teams, yeah. you know, in a sense, whereas this feels very collaborative. Right. Um, and uh, you know, just, the, the, word that, the word that Connor used quite often was open source. Which, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I love as yeah. us being computer guys. I right. love <laughs> I love that as well. So but yeah, you know, make sure to check out all their stuff as usual. If you have not seen Hellier yet, uh, I'm surprised. First of all, you're missing out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, get on Amazon Prime. It's on there or on YouTube. Yeah. Watch those things for free, you know, for us, it, you know, and it's like. And rewatch it. God, we've rewatched yeah, I mean, it I've, so many times. I feel like I'm probably going to watch it again this weekend. Yeah, so. and, and you'll be surprised at what you end up, you know, digging into by just seeing a book on Greg's shelf. I mean, you know, there's so many. There's a Facebook Reddit subreddit of uh, books mentioned or seen on Hellier, right. and so there's like a special list of ones mentioned, and then ones that are on like. Greg's bookshelf and I'm like that's hardcore because you gotta you gotta like blow that up in HD yeah (laughs) I'm not I'm not gonna lie Uh, when we were talking to Connor tonight because he was on video when he was at Carl's house I was looking behind him at the bookshelf trying to figure out <laughs> what, what books <laughs> were back there so it's probably if it's, carl is probably all romance novels let's probably, be honest yeah. you know he's he's a trade paperback uh <laughs> mass media romance paperback oh yeah guy. for sure fabio all the way oh yeah oh yeah luscious locks um so anyway pirate love affair <laughs> uh you, you about ready to get out of here yeah we got, we're gonna get out of here um i got my listener story <laughs> 
Sorry, I'm. We're man, all wound up now. I know. I'm just hyper. Man, I just had such a great time with Connor. Man, he left me feeling so good, and that's just you know, the I mark of a great person. Yeah, man. I mean, I haven't really felt uh, this hyped up since probably the Alan Greenfield interview. I, I agree, though. I mean, I do love all the people we oh, talk yeah, to, but I mean, sure. this, but this feeds that. You know, that mystery of hell you're in our heads yeah. and, and everything else. And, of course, I mean, it's it's already given me this this want to yeah. go. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be up all night investigating stuff. Yeah, it's like I'm that. ready to dive back in yeah. because I've been down my rabbit holes. And like Connor was talking about, sometimes you have to take that step back, right, and look back at the original stuff again. And it, yeah. it, it just makes you wonder. Uh, you know, I wonder. I wonder with where I've gone since watching Hell Your Last Time. If I watch it again, if I'll pick up on something that I didn't pick up on before. Yeah, that that's that's the key, and yep. I think that's what it's all about. Uh, anyway, so getting to our listener story, um, we've got a listener named Samantha. She's from Pensacola, Florida, um, that sent in this story, and it is being portrayed by a good friend of mine uh, and just incredible actress. She's incredible actress and singer and just all around great person uh jennifer poliski um this is uh samantha's story and uh so let's go ahead and check this out real quick hey guys my name is samantha from pensacola florida i've had a ton of experiences growing up i saw what appeared to be a lady in my aunt's house in camp lester in okinawa japan through a window during a block party My cousin was barely six months old and in his crib upstairs sleeping. There was a gate at both ends of the stairs and the house was locked. My aunt had just checked on him before I saw the lady in his room. I told her about it so she went inside to check on him and he was downstairs on the couch. I was also tormented by a probable poltergeist in middle school. Knew that someone killed themselves at a lighthouse along the Pacific coast before hearing the story and on and on. My dad was always intrigued by sensitivity, but it scared me so much. I finally learned just to tune this stuff out, but I watched Hellier, and now I'm intrigued too. I don't have paranormal experiences much these days, but I more recently had someone touch my foot while I was sleeping, followed by our fire detectors acting weird and lots of sleep paralysis, shadows walking about my room, believing someone legit broke into my house after my boyfriend left for work. So lots of it, it, the thing that I love about her story, which, by the way, I did not remember that that Hellier was Hell, in that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I kind of plan these in advance um, and not based off of the show. Yeah. Just, oh, so she sent me her story. So I'll make sure and plan it for next week. So yep. really weird that she just mentioned Hellier. Hellier so another right. synchronicity um, kind of gave me some goosebumps. Um, but the thing that I love about this story is he talks about, oh, you know, nothing's really happened much over the last couple of years. And then lists like 20 things that right, happened. Right. And I'm like that. That's a true paranormal experiencer that you become so numb it's regular that it's regular yeah, yeah that you don't even think things are happening that the things you just mentioned are still big things <laughs> yeah i mean i, I well it's really interesting because she she talked about um having a thought somebody broke in broke into her house after mm-hmm. her boyfriend left for work i've actually had a couple dreams uh over the over the last year where like i dreamed that somebody breaks into the house yeah and then like i you know, the next day I like start thinking, do I need to get this time of alarms? You know, right, like, I, like right. I, irrationally thinking about that kind of stuff. But yeah, well, and um, I, I love it because I feel like um, when I when I talk to Samantha, I, I tried to ask a couple questions. You know, like I always ask, where are you from, and yeah. things like that. Um, I, I 
And Samantha, if you're listening, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she might have been an army brat, and that's why she had moved all around yeah. uh, the I mean, world that and things like that. But Pensacola. I love that that all over, you know, from Japan yeah. to the Pacific Northwest to Florida, she's still having these experiences. All right. well, it's and it, fascinating. And it shows that probably she's sensitive to it, right? Uh, so. Oh, yeah. Just like we said earlier, where she was just like, ah, nothing really happens except for all this the stuff. stuff. Right. Yeah. That's someone who's dealt with it her whole life. and uh, But, the, you know... Again, much like we talked about with with Connor, it, you know, you can make yourself extremely vulnerable by putting yourself on the public like that. Yep. So, thank you so much, thank Samantha, you for, sharing. for sharing that yep. story with us, and uh, thank you to Jennifer Poliski for doing such a great job. Um, but yeah, on that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Just a reminder: check out our podcast, FearscapePodcast.com. Check out uh, the Fearscape Media Network, where you'll find other podcasts and things like that. FearscapeMedia.com and our all of our social media. Check all that stuff out and, and uh, review. Yeah, review. Don't forget. We'll send you a sticker. All yep. you got to do is take a screenshot and send us a PM or an email and uh, let us know, and uh, we'll get you a free sticky icky icker. Yep. These are good stickers. These they are. These ain't sticker, your they're, stickers. They're sticker mule stickers, which <laughs> yeah, are really these good. Are, these are not like they're like, uh, they're like top notch. Yeah, these are these are like those ones you put fifty cents in and pull. I mean, it's the good stuff. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It does come in the half egg. Yeah. Out of a vending machine. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a Cracker Jack sticker. Yeah, right. Uh, anyways, um, but yeah, go ahead and do that. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Go watch Hellier. Yeah. I think you can go to hellier.tv as well, and it'll uh, take you to links. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yep, you're right there. Yeah, hellier.tv. Um, check out all that stuff. Check out, you know, Planet Weird and just everything, because these guys have their fingers in some paranormal honey. Let me tell you. I thought you were going to say pies. Nope. I'm going with honey. Okay. Because I just got some honey from my uncle who <laughs> okay. who knows a beekeeper. Okay. So, <laughs> shout out to Uncle Boo. Uh, but anyways, uh, we'll get out of here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is out there. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye, Connor. <laughs> I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. (laughs) Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape. <laughs>